You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics, and this is Aaron Cooter. There it is. It's officially the best day of the week. I gotta hear that. You heard. I'm here. You are. We'll always have slack. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, one of us will. I yeah. Think the other show up. I, I, he he probably peeps at his phone looking to see if it's me. Oh, he puts his phone away. Dude, like you're ever on slack. <laughs> I'm on it more than you are. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I'm running for president. Yeah. yeah biggest <laughs> margin of victory ever. <laughs> my aunt tried to be all I feel bad. My aunt tried to be all like uh balanced today on her Facebook. She never gets political and she's like I want this to be non political. I don't want anybody to take sides. I really want to ask my friends who voted for for him like like why did you do it? Like I just watched the press conference and I'm sitting here thinking like why should I not be petrified about the future of our country? She's like, I'm not asking this as like a, a Democrat. I'm just, I, I want, like, I, I voted Republican more than Democrat. I just want, I just want honest views as to why, what you think, do you think he's done anything good so far and, and why? And like, people were going back and forth and I was like, I was like, one woman was like, oh, you know, it's just, I liked it better when people didn't share their political views publicly. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm like, that was a lot easier before we elected a, an imbecile nincompoop racist bigot uh, to the office. And my aunt was like, Jason, I don't want to get, she's like, I told you not, I don't want to get like that. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You're right. You did. I'm sorry. I can't help myself though. I'm like, people, I'm like, some kid on, on Twitter today was like, Stick to fantasy football analysis. I'm unfollowing you. I'm like, Thanks. don't let the door hit you, dude. Like, I, like, like, I don't care who follows me on Twitter. Like, feel free to ha- drive me. Why would you don't have to announce yourself on the way out? Like, I mean, seriously. Good day to you, sir. Yes, I'm outraged. You must know. I, I don't know. He's the whole answering every fucking question, even when it has nothing to do with the topic, has to bring up the fucking votes, has to bring up the electoral college. Because he has nothing else to say. And, and and he's still carrying on as if he's still running against Hillary. Yep. I got a feeling he's going to be running for the rest of his life. Fucking page, man. You what? It's like they, they, they tell everybody who voted against him to get over it. You guys lost. But he isn't getting the fuck over it. It's, it's true. Like, no, All right, wait, no, no, wait. Someone ever more angry about winning the presidential election? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, much, much love to you both, but we're going to taint the the episode. Come on, let's love go that. Let's go in nice and clean and happy. Right? right? And good yep. day to you, sirs and madams, because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 460. Woohoo! And I am Vince B. You are Vince B. And I, I, I love you, brother. I am David A. Price. All day. Indeed you are, and I will harpoon a bitch because I'm Fadala. <laughs> okay, you can be Fadala. For this nice. Yeah. <laughs> Fadala dollar bills, y'all. But you're really not. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Wow. And uh, in case you didn't get the gist, Jason has something tonight that's really, really special to him. So oh, Lord. It's a good, it's going to be a good one. Oh, Lord. What episode? Vince and I are going to take a breather for about an hour and change. That's okay. <laughs> For the, you no, know, be saying, different. I, I know the newbies that right weigh in on this. Newbies, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, Have you read the work? 
The original, yes. Once. Oh, my man. Just once. Once. <laughs> and it Twice. was it was in, in high school, but I did read it. Three times. It was probably like a sperm whale. <sighs> Bad puns are not used as currency at Discount <laughs> Comic Book Service. No way. DCB, <laughs> yes, DCBService.com. One more time for everybody in the way back in the cheap seats. DCBService.com where you and everybody you know can get absolute rock bottom prices on their favorite funny books and collectibles such as A Match Made in Heaven. Oh my goodness. James Stokoe and Aliens Hello. at Dark Horse. It's called Dead Orbit. Uh, it's a three ninety nine cover price. Mini, I guess, and this is a mini series. Yes, they, you, they usually are, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. you, because you're ultra smart, can get it for half that one dollar ninety nine cents from Image. We got Doug Wagner writing, Daniel Hilliard, Laura Martin on art. It's called Plastic. It's another mini series. It's a theme. Uh, this one is a five issue joint. Um, it's about a retired serial killer who's uh, traipsing around with a blow-up doll in his car. I don't need to know anything else. I'm getting this. Um, cover price on this, again, is three ninety nine. Your price, $1.99. And lastly, from Oni, this is a trade paperback, very reasonably priced. It is a collection of the Ulysses Farinas and Eric Fritas, Ryan Hill, a miniseries called Motro. This is in the zone with Images Island and a book that I'm going to talk about later on, uh, Profit. The the uh, the visualizations are are very much copacetic with that stuff. So if you like that stuff, you'll love this stuff. And this stuff is only $9.99. But wait, if you're a discount comic book service subscriber, you're going to get this for half that, $4.99. Where else are you going to get a trade paperback for $4.99? collecting i think five or six issues of this miniseries it's nuts it's crazy and you would be if you don't use them dcbservice.com just go make it happen yes big doings for the merklers this year big doings that's right big move nuptials graduations of plenty blowing up damn it's blowing up snowballing like vince's right? pager is that what? <laughs> Wait a minute, my, my pager's beeping. Uh, is that what the kids say? It's snowballing. Yeah, doing Raph. Yeah, lit. I only have one though. I'm like Raph, who has twelve. Lit around the Merkley house. Ma- Raph has pagers like Batman got pockets on his belt. Shout out to Raph. He he lasted on Facebook for less than 24 hours. But you know what? He it hasn't been a thing. Like this is just new. He's been on there for a while, and all of a sudden now he's just like, I'm going to post dirty stuff. I think what it was is he, he probably was under the radar for a long time because it was like in his own group. And then I don't know if like he did it outside the group or something, but he got on he got on watch. Oh. So now, now Zuckerberg woke and I think got that algorithm against him. But I noticed they have relaxed the standards a little bit for artists. Like you couldn't post any nudity. Now, if it's tasteful, are you gonna have full frontal dudity now? Um, I don't know about dudity, but you can you can yeah. have you can have breasts and and undraped forms, and I've seen them go through without a hitch. Some guys self censor, well, others just you know give it a shot. Like I Tim, mean, to your point, like I I don't know how like I'm pretty sure on private groups you have a lot of leeway because I'm part of a uh, away group, uh, and it's like they do like a theme of the week where you know they'll they'll make a theme and you post art that's pertinent to the theme that you right. own. 
And uh, they had basically like nudity as a theme a couple weeks back. And I mean, there were tons of people posting straight up full frontal. Like, but that's nudes. all. You're all like minded. I think as long as it's not out in public, reported as, long, as offensive. Right. Exactly. So uh-huh. if someone sees something that 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 just you know gets them in a tizzy when it has nothing to do, they, they just gotta shit on your fun. But yeah, I, I think if, if so, it's someone's probably point, effing with him now. Right. It's probably one of his own. <laughs> it is probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can see that happening. The probably call's like coming Juan. from inside probably the house. Juan. Yeah. Or Kaziki. <laughs> Kaziki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, you notice on Facebook, like Tim Vigil gets bounced all the time, and he's, I, I don't. I didn't uh, notice that, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, but he self censors, and he still gets bounced because the images are so raw that even well, with his the, images are pornographic. I mean, I, I yeah. Think they're amazing, but they yes, they're pornographic. Right, though. but um, and William Scar, the guy that does uh, the, the he he puts little frosty bits over the boobs and stuff. So there's uh-huh. guys that'll go in and, and take precautions, but there's other guys that are just like throwing up. Wow, I was like, whew, I would never post that. You're asking, you're a target. You want to be a target? Yeah, it's like wearing antlers during hunting season. That's a great analogy. Vince. Thank you. Not really. <laughs> hey, what are we drinking? I started a little early. Did you know? I could tell. Yeah. I I had to um, cobble some images together for my thing. So I, I just poured the wine, and it's the Cabernet Sauvignon again. I can't even believe that like it's become a thing where Vince drinks wine every week now. It doesn't oh. give me the adjective the next day. Adjective. Yeah. So grown's up. So grown's up. It took fucking eight years. I'm uh, a slow learner. Slow learner. Uh, I'm drinking the, the the beer this week. Uh, I'm drinking the Harp, the Irish uh, Lager. Oh, that's good stuff. It's very. I love Harp. It's delicate. No, it's not delicate. There's nothing as such. There's no such thing as a delicate Irish beer. Really? You gotta go like Brooklyn to like hipster town to get like the, the delicate beer. Oh, it's not like um, the one where they put the, the lemon in it. No, that's like a Belgian white type of. No, of, I was talking beer. about the Corona. That's, oh, that's lime. Corona's Mexican, so I'm not and sure what that is. <laughs> yeah, well, lime. all those, those geography's people. not good. <laughs> but geography's cool. hard look, math. How about you, DAP? Uh, I am um, enjoying something new. I am in love with this label. It, it's all raised, and it's got like some gold foil on it. It's uh, from Dr. Henry John Lindemann, and it is the Gentleman's Collection Red Blend, a... Uh, Batch number two, a guide to chivalry and integrity. Rule number two, forego frills. And this is uh, wow, all that on the is, label. It's it's an awesome label. I'll take a picture of it. Uh, like Warren Ellis wrote it. With this, it's a perfectly blended red wine, rich in the label. At least interesting. Long aromatic bourbon oak finish. Nice. Nice. I saw the bourbon, and I'm like, but it is, it's, it's tasty. I don't think our listeners know when you say gold foil, or I always pipe in with the spot varnish. Do you guys out there know what that means in in printing terms? Well, well explain it to explain it to the folks. It, it means that whatever was printed has to go through the printing press again. Like 
you can have a four-color process and get it all printed up real nice and say, oh, I want spot, spot varnish on that cover. You have to send spot, varnish. spot varnish. You have to send through the printer again. Same thing with foil, like gold leaf and stuff. Got to go through the printer again. So it's an extra step. These guys are going the distance for you. So don't just look at it like, oh, yeah, it looks kind of cool. I, I guess it's nice. No, it's really nice, and it takes extra effort to get there. Mm-hmm. So love it. This is and I can't day. believe y'all didn't take the bait on that Warren Ellis comment. I did. Oh, I didn't. I didn't hear you. Oh, you were talking about you were describing the label, and it sounded like there was a million things in the label. And Vince said, "All that's on the label." And I said, "What if Warren Ellis wrote it?" <laughs> and See, then I'd be if if, Mar- if you said Morrison, I probably Morrison. Wow. Yeah, he's the one who always. I know. I, I know. Ellis. Morrison's it. terse. Yeah, I don't even know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> All right, hey. You do you. I'm about to when we talk about that book. All right, well, let's what, do it. What book are you talking about? Do we I'm have trying to find this out. First, first, do we let's, have... Let's talk about that book first. No. Do we have any thank yous? Oh. Right? Nope. No thank yous. I would, but my mail person fucked it up, so uh, I don't know. But you can still thank. I do thank Per. He is... Yeah. Uh, he, he sent me the... First issue. Second, yes. No. No. Per Hedman. Damn <laughs> full. Uh, P.H.H. over in Sweden. I'm kidding. Per H- I, I'm kidding. God, man, you guys are not taking the bait today, man. Damn. Maybe we're, a, we're, we're focused. We had, we had fucking homework. You did. Focused. And All we right. Get it. Done. So uh, he sends me his comic book, The Far Dark Side. And it is, uh, it's right now, actually, my, my lovely wife. Knowing I had to shout out. calm down, a uh, huge shout out. She she grabbed the comic, and I still haven't I still haven't flipped through it yet. So I, I'm sorry, Per. I will read it for next week. Um, she she found one of the thickest, heaviest books we have in the house, and because the pages were already warped, um, she is doing her best to flatten them out. So they're they're, they're between a bunch of pages in this. Huge ass book I have over here in the corner, so um, I, I I just I see red whenever I think of it, so I I I, mean, I haven't gone back to look at it yet. Um, it it frustrates me to, and apparently, according to my wife, the 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 mail carrier, she is a lovely person. Uh, it's just that when she fucks up, she fucks up royally, and it usually has to do with things that I'm expecting in the mail. Um, Maybe she's jealous. Of what? Some bullshit. What dude. you guys got? It's yeah, yeah. Just just be fucking consistent. There be days where like there's shit in the bag, uh, like not literal shit, but they're like our, our packages are are in a big ass clear plastic bag on on the stoop, and it's uh it's you know if the weather's bad, things are nice and dry in there. Last night, come home, it's raining and no bag, bunch of box, two boxes, and and. Letters on on the front steps and out in the open for the elements and and I was just I was heated. So, but um, I cannot wait to read. I thank him very much for it, and I might even have a surprise for you guys when we are done recording today. Look at this candy. Yes. All right, let's talk about this wild storm. The wild storm. <laughs> yeah, very very <laughs> clever. <laughs> Very clever. You put a space in between it, and it becomes an entirely different thing. Um, written by Warren Ellis, uh, illustrated by John Davis Hunt, hyphen, mm-hmm. 
with Ivan uh, Placencia. Let's see, colorist is Ivan Placencia. So we're covered. That's the creative team. Simon yep. Boland did the letters. Um, I usually am not without a comment of some kind. Okay. I can't say that I dislike this issue. I also can't say that I liked it. I, can, we I, maybe, can we maybe with that as a backdrop start with uh, a quick reminder to our new listeners where we stand on Wildstorm as an imprint? Love it. Hate it. Sure. Um, I love it. The the Generally, all of the stuff that came out of Wildstorm, give or take, I've, I've loved. Uh, the top of the peak for me is Joe Casey's Wildcats. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, then uh, was wasn't Point Blank. Uh, and um, yeah, it's a, well, well, Sleeper, but yeah, yeah, Sleeper yeah. was Wildstorm too, right? Yeah. No, there, there's been a lot of great stuff. Um, Storm watched and thirteen. Yeah, the Authority. Um, Death Blow. <laughs> uh, come on, you know, um, wasn't um, no Profit wasn't well. Profit was extreme. Um, yes. Yeah. No, I, I I liked it. I thought it was well done. The the visuals are fine. The line is a little clean for me. I was going to say I'm I'm surprised you didn't have a real problem with it. Yeah, but it's it's not it's not bad. I mean, everything is is in its proper place. The 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 uh, the sci-fi elements are great. The, there's two giant mechs in the background of one image, and they're really nicely rendered. The 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 human forms are fine. It's just that. It, it's just another spin on the Wildstorm characters. Like Zealot is, is seems to be some kind of assassin. Um, does her job uh, on a guy that was uh, what was he uh, contraband software or gene editing or something like that? And she takes him out and calls in for a cleanup crew. It's just it's very it's very black ops. Very cloak and dagger stuff. I, I, I don't. I shouldn't be the one talking about it because I just thought it was there. Like it didn't really push me either way. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I joked about Warren Ellis being wordy, and I, I let me let me be clear. I, I, I think Warren Ellis is certainly one of the great writers of our time. Uh, he's done some amazing comics. Um, I would say I generally enjoy Warren Ellis more than I don't. Um, so, uh, but with that said, I, I, I thought. This was a wordy, a wordy bitch. I thought this was like a lot of standing around and talking and not much else happening, which I just thought was like a crazy way to reintroduce us to like an imprint that was started by Jim Lee. I mean, who like is like Jim Lee, you know, is, if anything, Jim is just about like pinup visuals, right? Like that's like the, at his essence, right? He's not, he's not about like overwrought, like dry dialogue and story. Like if anything, he lacked dialogue and story so I, I just some irony in that but um yeah but that's not exactly you know, the best way to create comics right no well no i agree but um but i will say the one thing you can say about ellis is that uh he has a reputation for more often than not phoning in the big two work when he needs a paycheck yeah and really crushing it on his own stuff and i don't know again that that's a hundred percent fair because i think if we were to take out comic book db and look at all of his work there's there's stuff he's done for the big two that have been quite good, and there's been independent creator and stuff that I don't think has been that good. So so it's not a fair characterization in its entirety, but I do think there is some truth to it, and maybe that bias weighed into me starting with this book. But I felt like this was 
him collecting a paycheck. I, 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 again, I thought it was super, super wordy and, and it's one thing if there's a lot of word balloons, but there was no action in this book at all. Uh, that's not exactly fair. The Angie does turn into the engineer. Okay, at, at so one she point. turns yeah. into a, a mech for a second and saves the dude like yeah, that's we've seen it. Superman do a thousand times. I, I mean, okay. Right, but I, I'm t- um, speaking to your point. It would have been nice to see Zealot in the beginning do her work. We we see her when she's done. Yeah, we, we, we come in. That's yeah. exactly right. We see yeah. her just talking. After the fact, in fact, there's more time spent with her and the cleanup crew than there is her doing the job. The job. We don't see her in costume or in action. Um, you know, uh, we see the 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 two the two big uh, billionaire slash you know antagonists talking. One is literally one of them is literally sitting with his lover or I guess husband, just having a chat at a cafe while that chick comes up to them and he's just sitting there talking and then. The other guy is literally sitting at his desk recapping the aforementioned getting saved when he was thrown out a window. I, I just, uh, I, I don't know. I just thought it was, a, I, I guess, what, I, I, this book got a lot of positive feedback from a, a lot of people who I, whose opinion I respect this week. You know, a lot of our friends that uh, are, I think are, are usually in line with me praised the book and said how happy they were with it. And so I, I guess that, that, that shifted my expectation spectrum from neutral to expect it to be the bomb, and I, that probably was a bad idea because I'm with you, Vince. I don't think it's a bad comic, but for a first issue that's rebirthing a imprint that I have a lot of affinity for, but hasn't been around in a while, I I, I don't know. It's just it's just it was just there, right? It's just there for me. Yeah. That that's the again. It's when you're when you can't really comment negatively or positively on it. The the textbook definition is mediocre right it's 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 not yeah. it's not particularly noteworthy but it's not particularly bad there's really yeah, the there's art, really nothing like said, bad the, about the it. art's fine but it's it's uh i don't know it feels like it should be an issue of phonogram not not reversing well, the wild it's not song, that you know? clean <laughs> yeah that's that's like you guys forget some lines but no well but i mean it, it reminded me more of that like yeah. of a mckelvey type of a look right which again mckelvey is a perfectly fine artist for the right subject matter, but sure. I just didn't. I don't know. It's just. It's just. Yes. Yeah, just. I put it this way: If we're doing a vote, I, I'm not planning on reading the second issue. That's. I'll. I'll wait to hear people tell me how if it really picks up the pace, and I'll, I'll catch up on it. Yeah, I think I'll read the second and okay. third. I just. I. I'd like to see where it's going um, and who else they bring in. Mm-hmm. But D- Dap, what did what did you think about it? Um, I didn't see, I, I, I purposely avoided anybody talking about it. I didn't even read Hassan's thread until after I read it. Um, just cause I didn't want any, uh, I didn't want it to paint my outlook one way or the other. Um, it's, it's got those, it, it's got that standard type font that Ellis loves to use. And it has a lot of his um, his sciency techno tropes. Um, I wanted to love it, and I kind of just like it. I, I will read the next few issues. Um, I like the trade dress. I dig the cover. I dig the uh, – we got one through 24 at the top, and I'm guessing there will be an arrow depending on what issue you're looking at. Um, I think the package is neat. The, the art – 
worked in some places. It didn't um, kick my ass in others. The To Jason's point with it being wordy, I don't think I found it to be uh, – yeah, when, when he's – when he's talking to, um, when he's having his conversation, and 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 when Emp is, or I'm sorry, when, when Philip Marlowe is, uh, I don't spoil anything for anybody. When um, Marlowe is talking and recounting the uh, the afternoon, um, it's it's a bit wordy there, and they're having almost like two different conversations while he's he's explaining what he was doing. She's drinking, she, she's taking a whiff of the um, of the whiskey, finds out there's something else in there, and that's all very. Ellisy, um, what I didn't like is how everybody kind of has the same attitude. Everybody's everybody's reaction, everybody's um, personality is almost the same. Whether someone's being interrogated or someone's just it, it's it's the responses when someone asks someone else a question or interrupts somebody, they're very snipey. They're very just just. It it it'd be fine if one person was that personality type and 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 it it would work for, for for that one. But when you have four or five people all with the same type of attitude uh, as they're trying to tell their story, it's it's a little annoying. And and mm-hmm. that that's a bit different for me when I think of when I think of Moon Knight or and just one of the most recent. Ellis works, but I mean, there's injection. There's other, even injection has a few different people in it. Same thing with trees. You know, they're just, he, he, he'll write books with a bunch of characters and they will feel different. There's, each one has their own little, um, each one's pretty much unique, but right. this, everybody, if, if, if you just read if, if you didn't look at the pictures and just read the word balloons, every it, it would sound like one person speaking throughout the entire book. Um, if you look at this thing, um, the whole issue, the emotional spectrum, like as Jason was saying, is limited to eyebrows. <laughs> With the exception, there's two panels where Angie, right before she turns, uh, yeah, you see a little and bit of teeth. That even tea. looks a little, yeah, and and even that looks a little off. Like, yeah, like, but like David Hunt was kind of straining with that. It's like if if um, whatever emotion is required, it's just a matter of taking the eyebrows up or down. There's really no, there's no, um, there's no swatch of of emotion in this thing. Like even even when when Jacob was um, when. Uh, What's his, the the guy that they're interrogating? When he grabbed Jacob's wrist, like that's an altercation, and they just they're deadpan. The characters are deadpan. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what, what was that guy's name? Michael Carver? Or, yes, um, yeah. yeah, Michael no, Craig. Michael Craig. 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 Yeah, and it's um, just like here, Craig. here I am. Uh oh, you got my wrist. Like, th- th- there's not a real wide variance in in the emotions here. It's just and if pretty you much did, down the middle. It was it was very because. I'm familiar with Wildcats. I know Emp is a very short person. Here, the perspective seemed a little off. It, it's it, I went. I know who these characters are because of my familiarity with the original series. If coming in cold on this, anybody who hasn't read any any of the previous Wildstorm Wildcats books. Um, 
they're going to be, I mean, they mentioned Cole and we all know who that is, but I mean, to have your biggest, I, in, in my opinion, probably as far as male characters go, Wildstorm's biggest male character isn't even in this issue is baffling to me. We see, we about? see Zealot, we see Rifter. We see Zealot, we oh, see, we see the cover Gudu. of the book too. Yes, on yeah. one of the covers, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I guess the cover I got. Yeah, there's, uh, there's like, because uh, even Jim Lee, I think, does. Um, oh, okay. okay. I, just, I, I just, to your point, my, mine had the cover, Griffin on the cover, and I'm like, well, ain't that a thing? Yeah, I mean, and, and then the three of them are coming out of the subway, and it's just, I mean, they're just, it was on one of the covers. But, um, you know, so, so you see, you see Zelle, you see Voodoo, you see, I mean, nobody is in, we don't really see anybody in character or, or, or doing what, um, their claim to fame might be, but it, this would have been a perfect, um, this would have been an Ash K. This would have been a perfect teaser. If, if, you know, uh, here's your new talent showcase and, and this is what we're planning. It's a zero issue. It really felt like a zero issue. It, it did not feel like the first issue. Hold on to your hats. We, we, we got a wild ride coming. I mean, it, it, it feels like Ellis because of the concepts that, that, that are being used in the book, but it's, um, it, it kind of would have fit in in an issue of global frequency more than the first issue mm-hmm. of a brand new yeah. imprint. I think there's too much in the in this issue. I think there's there's missed opportunities, especially with Without Zealot, a doubt. with Zealot because or Zealot Zealot because um, we w- he could have set the stage really nicely by having her. I mean, if she's a real brutal character, which we know she's a warrior, right? Um, I want to see her in action. I want to see her rip this guy apart. That could have been an, an extra like five pages. And then the stuff with Angie, like he could have led up to this where, you know, we see her doing whatever she did to get this thing inside of her in the first place. Now, I don't want to see the result of it. I want to mm-hmm. see, I want to see the step she took. To, she she wants to make the world a better place, and and she she sacrifices herself. It's obviously a very painful process to to switch into engineer mode. Um, it just seems like there's I got to get this in, and I have to get the saving in. I got to set up the 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 world here, and it's like one issue. But it it comes in spurts. You have like wide open sections, and then yeah. you'll have sections like um, machine gun, blah, 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 and it's it's. There's no rhythm to it. Yeah, and you know, as you guys are talking about this, you are reminding me of how great a writer Ellis generally is. So I will try the second next few issues and see if it just. I think he's a rough start. It, this could definitely be one of those things where, when the trade comes out, it's just an absolute grand slam. If you read the whole thing at once. Yeah, I yeah. think I, it, it's it it's be. it's the first issue. He's he's reintroducing these characters. I'm I'm going to. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and and there's the growing pains. There's he's got to just make sure these just, these characters are so badass. Yeah, like I want they to see Zella Kit like whooping that ass. Yeah, like I, you know, like I like I, I think one of the reasons I always dug those characters is because they were fucking cool. The designs were great. Yeah, I did you like know? the the little blood splotch on her forehead. That was a nice little touch. Yeah, yes. that was true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I said, not not a not a bad comic, not not something worth crapping on, but just uh, I just I got caught up in the hype train a little bit this week, I think. Yeah, yeah, and and Dap said growing pains. 
we shouldn't have to pay for someone's growing pains. No, right? absolutely You know what I mean? Like, not. give, no, give me a finished product. It's someone like Ellen right. and, it's, and it's characters that have been around for over 20 years. I mean, this is something that some things just should – I mean, if he was coming back to authority or something, and I think that you would really have some high expectations. But I knew going in that this was a, a re-imaging, that these weren't they, – they, they weren't carrying over anything that, that they were doing back when – Jim Lee left Marvel. I, I knew that this was because even in the um, in the back matter, of some of the other DC books from the last month or so, when they were having the interview with Ellis, and he was talking about, you know, well, Jim Lee calls me up and he's like, "Hey, we want you to be the curator of of of, of an imprint. We're going to do the Wildstorm characters, and you can write the flagship book, and then whatever you want to do with the others, you know, whoever you want to get." So I I knew based on that interview that I couldn't. Expect wild covert action team S and then just run with it from there. So, um, yes, Vince, we shouldn't have to, pay, and especially someone like Warren Ellis, we shouldn't have to pay for the growing pains, but it's, I don't like the fact that this is the first issue and, and we're getting this. I, I, I would have expected this leading up to the first issue in the new series, but the benefit of the doubt is, is there's enough credit between Ellis and these characters where um even the next couple of issues are shot, but I don't think it's I don't think it's wrong for us to want something a little meatier with this. Right, right. And I could see somebody who's been a fan of DC since New Fifty Two coming into this and saying, Hey, 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 wait a minute. Grifter. Didn't I just, didn't I just read about that guy in, like, you see him on the cover, you don't see him in the book, like Jason said, but I just read about that guy in Future's End, like Grifter and some of the other- in Future's End? Jesus Christ. Yeah, but no, they, they, they're integrating these characters into the, the DC universe, and now, I guess, with the, the rebirth, they're- Well, I haven't seen, I, I haven't seen Grifter, I haven't seen Voodoo since her short-lived series. No, I think they got separated back out, right? They did? I think so too. I think, yeah, well, yeah, with Rebirth, so. I think they've kind of just, Distance themselves from that stuff, and oh, that's a shame. Don't, don't, don't. Whatever you read post New Fifty Two regarding the Wildstone characters, I think we can kind of just forget about. Oh, starting okay. over with this. Okay, let's just start over, like John Lennon said. Uh-huh. All right, yeah, I, I'll be there for issue two. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. Jason. What time it is. What time it is. It's that time. <laughs> is it? It is. Take it away. Oh, boy. Uh, okay, so um, every now and then <laughs> there is a, a book that uh, we end up reading that's sort of a drop-the-mic book. You know, one of those books where we, we our, our praise for it is so effusive that uh, a good chunk of our listeners run out and get the book and 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 give us props for putting it on them. Uh, let's see. We've had uh, things like um, Aphrodisiac. Yep. Right? Charlie Chan. Uh, Charlie Chan. Uh, the Pinocchio book. Right. Um, I mean, there's been many, but, you know, those books that kind of transcend, and, and especially if they're off the beaten track a little bit to start with. Well, we have another one of those. Um, and that is through our good friends at Dark Horse. Uh, they translated to the English 
Mr. Chabutet's original graphic novel adaptation of Herman Melville's Moby Dick. And for the listeners who don't know uh, me that well, uh, it's important as context for this discussion to know a few things. One, um, I love whales. Uh, like insanely. So, uh, know all about them. Been whale watching. One of my bucket list things is to go on a, uh, three month research expedition up in the north. Um, have a whale tattoo on the arm. Love whales. So that's number one. Uh, number two, I believe it is irrefutable if you are a true literary connoisseur to not include Moby Dick as one of the five great American novels of all time. Um, I understand, and we'll get into it, that uh, it is not the easiest book. And one of the things that greatly saddens me is that in this world that is becoming ever more focused on the short term, and we've got ADD, and people's attention spans are shrinking year for year, those things work very heavily against a book like Moby Dick, uh, the novel, being enjoyed. Because... Reading Moby Dick is, uh, while an absolute masterpiece, is not an easy experience by design. It's a big book. Yeah, it's a big, long, tedious book, and it's tedious by design, which we'll touch, which, which we'll, we'll touch on. So, uh, so, but, but my point is, I, I, I wholeheartedly think that Moby Dick is one of the greatest novels written by an American. Period. End of story. It's true. So, um, it's also an overwrought story that's in the public domain. There have been a ton of Moby Dick adaptations in just about every form. We just had that one, um, what was it called? Uh, the, can't think of the name, the one with, uh, with, with, uh, Chris Helmsworth. Um, oh, oh, uh, the Heart of the Sea? Yeah, Heart of the Sea, which is not, Heart of the Sea is not a remake of Moby Dick itself, but it's essentially the, about Melville? Yeah, it's essentially a remake of a book which was fictitious. But that book was about Herman Melville's learning of the story and the quote unquote actual Moby Dick story. And, but nevertheless, it's, 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 it's from the same tree, so I'll count it. But there have been lots of movies about Moby Dick, lots of cartoons, other comics, there's been novellas, you know, it's, it's, it's been done a lot. It's a, it's a, for a book that I don't think has actually been read as widely as it should, there aren't many people that don't understand the, uh, the basic narrative or the concepts, right? Like everybody knows Moby Dick's a giant white whale. Everybody knows who Captain Ahab is, and I think there's a lot of familiarity to the to the underlying, most basic story arc components. Um, so this book is um, it's interesting because I I, I think that um, I wish I wish Crusade was here with us uh, this this week because he's another fellow Moby Dick fan. Um, I don't want to get too I don't want to sound too academic here, but I think there's certain things about the novel which weigh in making it one of the greatest books ever written that are solely about the uh, the form of the book. Um, and, like, again, one of the things that uh, some people say about it, and it drives me nuts, is that it's boring, that it's it's long-winded. And it is. But one of the reasons that that's brilliant is that Herman Melville does that on purpose because he is trying to portray in the structure of the book, just how long and arduous it would have been to be on a three-year whaling, uh, whaling trip yeah. in out of Nantucket. Like, it is, there are periods of time that those sailors 
literally were stuck on a boat with 30 other guys with nothing to do for weeks on end. Like, and that is tedious and it is boring. And he was trying to convey that in the structure of the book. And I, and, and, but if you're just reading it, you're going to be like, you're going to come across chapters where you think nothing's happening for a long time. It's by design. But if you're not conscious of that, or you don't appreciate that, it can be misconstrued. So I was wondering whenever I see an adaptation, particularly one that's a comic, which is about the visual, would it have the ability to convey that presence of time and the weight of time on you as a reader? And I'll, you know, I'll, I want to, I'm far more interested in hearing what you guys thought of the book, um, cause you've probably spent a lot of this time of your life dissecting <laughs> what we do from all its angles. But, but I thought in reading this adaptation by Chabute that he does an excellent job in striking a perfect balance where there, I think you do understand in reading the book that there are periods of unending tedium in these guys' lives. Yeah. But I don't think because it is a graphic novel, he doesn't fall into the trap of making it like intentionally boring for a long period of time visually. Um, so I think he, I, I took it, I felt that he struck a nice balance there. Um, but I, I guess there's maybe listeners who don't quite know the story. The story is a pretty simple one. Um, uh, it's essentially a, a, a whaling expedition out of Nantucket. Um, a, a young man is the narrator that, uh, you know, is pretty much like the, the spirit guide of the story or the heart of the story, if you will. Um, he you know, it's his first ever, uh, whaling excursion. He ends up meeting up with a, with a savage, a cannibal named Queequeg, um, which in and of itself is interesting because when it was written, uh, it was written as very much a love affair between the two, but in a, in a very platonic way. Now, a lot <laughs> of literary, yeah, well, right. A lot of literary critics would, go on to say that because of the time that it was written, you know, it likely was that they were lovers, but that it was portrayed in a more platonic way because it was more palatable for the time. Um, but yeah, whether you, whether you believe Queequeg and whether they're actually like physical lovers or not, they loved each other. I mean, you know, they had, a, they had a kinship and a partnership and they end up joining, um, this, this, this journey together. Uh, and, and they, they, they sail off, um, in what they think is a, a typical, um, you know, whaling expedition, which is you go out for a long period of time, kill a bunch of whales to harvest, you know, essentially the, the oil for the most part, but all the parts, but for the oil, and then you bring it back and the oil's worth a shit ton. And it can be, you know, the journey can be years, uh, depending on how long it takes you and how far you have to go. Um, and they set off, but they come to find out that their captain is of course, captain Ahab, who at this point is a very old legendary, uh, whaling captain. He's got a peg leg, and uh, he lost his leg in a prior encounter with Moby Dick, who was a gigantic, very old, very beaten up sperm whale, which is the type of whale that they hunted for their oil. Um, and he's insane at this point. He's he's completely all consumed by the idea of getting his revenge on this whale. Um, and, and again, probably not for the show, but there's a lot of academic anal- analytical work done on the book and what the whale signifies. And uh, a lot of people think it signifies the idea of faith. Um, but, there, you know, again, there's lots of different ways to interpret it, what Melville fully intended. But, but certainly there's a lot of symbolism there, no matter how you slice it. Um, I don't mean and, to and they go, interrupt huh? you, but do you think Ahab's totally insane? <laughs> I, I, think, uh, I think there's a glimmer of humanity there when he tells Starbuck to stay on board the ship. Yeah, well, so... Yeah. That, no, that you, so you're exactly right. So So... I think 
well, I, yes, I do think at the point with which, certainly by the end of the book, by the climax, he's completely insane. I think he's driven insane um, over the course of the journey. But yes, I love the fact that he singled out that scene with Starbuck because I think that's that's such an important scene because it speaks to the fact that he really was a good man and an excellent captain for a long time. He was driven insane and consumed by his hatred for this one thing. Okay. But every now and then he drifts back in a calm moment into who he was, which is at his heart a good man. And as you, to your point, there's this moment where he kind of comes back into himself. And Starbuck, for those that don't know, Starbuck is the he's the the good guy of the story. He's the 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 person who truly on the ship cares about the crew. Uh, he's the first mate, but he, he's he's he genuinely cares about them, and he's the one that's pushing against Ahab because he sees Ahab going off the deep end, and he sees him pushing his own personal agenda at the expense of the men and their safety. Um, and and there's nothing but benevolence in Starbuck in the book. Uh, he's the purest of the characters, I would say, in terms of of, of there's not a lot of layers. Uh, and in the in in Chabute's work, he takes a moment to, to dialogue that whole conversation where Ahab tells him, to your point, Vince, stay on the ship tend to the ship, you know, you have a family. Um, and he, so you could see Ahab kind of falling back into reality for a moment, remembering that he used to have a family and he, he was a normal man, but that's so far gone and he knows it's gone for him and he's, he's fully committed to this jihad, but that doesn't mean that everybody should be consumed by it. And, uh, and that, yeah, so that, that's great. But regardless of it, again, I, I don't think there's a spoiler here because it's an old story. They do chase the, the, the whale, they run into other ships and, all Ahab wants to do is hear from the other captains if they've seen the whale, and um, and you know they're 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 to the point where they're essentially, and I think the book doesn't do as good a job at this as it should have. Um, you know, the the many of the crew are re- relatively mutinous at this point. They they they've had enough. They they they've they've caught very little oil. What what they do cat, cat capture gets sort of part of it gets destroyed. So they've been away for all these years and not going to be rich when they get back. Uh, they're just very frustrated and. Um, but he, per- he pursues the whale and, and eventually they come across Moby Dick and, um, uh, the, the story ends essentially with Moby Dick besting them. He, 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 he kills everyone on the boat, uh, sinks the ship, sinks the, the, the whaling, uh, the whaling boats and, and, the, and the main boat, uh, uh, leaving only, uh, only one survivor. Um, uh, and he drags Ahab down into the depths of the ocean with him because Ahab's, gets caught up in uh, his own rope um, that his harpoons attached to Moby Dick. And that's how the book ends. And uh, there's so many layers to, to the Moby Dick story, which, which is why I think it's such a great book uh, um, beyond the visceral sort of top level narrative. Um, but I thought Chibute did a great job in really fleshing out the spirit of the book. And, and, and I think showing you the important beats um, beyond the, this, the simple narrative, um, which is I think hard to do in a visual in a purely visual narrative. Um, I agree. You know, I, I wouldn't say that his cart- his artistic style is, is like astonishing. I, you know, like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think the art is jaw dropping in the sense that you, you can't believe what you're seeing on the page. Um, but I think it's well done for the work. Uh, and from a storytelling perspective, I think it's very well done. I, I it, so I, I don't think the line per se is something. You know, this isn't Mobius. This isn't you know, this isn't like you're not going to look at the line and just fall over at the beauty of it. And how did he draw this? But but I, I think, but from a conveying the story and conveying the, the the very human 
beats of the emotions that all of these people are dealing with one another. I thought he did an excellent job. So I don't know. I got I, mean, I, I got to part ways with you on that. I think the okay. line. I think the line is spectacular. But okay, he yeah. he stacks the deck in his favor by making a couple very simple mm-hmm. choices in the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. but they're elegant and they speak volumes. And he doesn't have to get all crazy. The thing that really impressed me with this is that the sea, more often than not, is just black. Yeah, yeah. Well, he uses a lot of black, which I think is right. very effective. Right, and it's and yeah. it's very, very ominous, and it's mm-hmm. it's sense it uh, conveys this huge sense of danger with the sea. Yeah. Like it's it, the sea is not your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when when we yeah. do, and the layouts are great. I mean, to your point, I mean, yeah, they are. Each, each chapter is is a label of of a chapter, and then a, a quote from the chapter. Uh, in beautiful script. I, I don't know if he hand drew that or if no, that's a no. That's a, a font. That's a font. Is it? Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. But uh, but uh, but yeah, you guys gotta take it away because I, no. I can talk about this book for hours. But but I, I loved it. I think it's 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 everything I could have hoped for from a Moby Dick comic. I I, I um you know Marvel did a like a remember Marvel was doing those classic Classics Illustrated yeah yeah, yeah. like a couple years back those little like prestige hardcovers they did a Moby Dick uh, with that and uh, it, it's fine but it's very basic it's just very right. by the numbers. Um, and this, I think, was so much more at the heart of Melville's story that uh, it just it this this was drawn and written by a guy that loves Moby Dick the book. Yeah, not just no, he wasn't just hired to to draw Moby Dick. It's what do you know the story of a big whale attacking a boat. You know, so if someone came to you and said, Jason, you, you really love Moby Dick, I want you to adapt the book visually. What would be some of the the things you would have the the hurdles you would have to overcome to get to 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 step one, like. Look at the way whenever they're on the the Pequod, right? Mm-hmm. That boat is fully visual, it's fully realized, mm-hmm. right? And everything in the boat looks right. The pulleys, the ropes, the crow's yeah. nest, the the railings. Like imagine the mm-hmm. research that he had to put into this book. The 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 not only the boat, the ship. Sorry, it's not a boat. Um, the um, the costumery. The clothing uh-huh. of the period, the hairstyles of the period, yep. just and then not only taking what was, but degrading them over a period of time on on this ship. Like they, when they enter the ship, they don't look the same as the the moment before they die. These, the, these men are worn out and they're battered, yep. and I and the the um, the quadrant that Ahab smashes the. Shibute had to research a quadrant and make it look convincing. And then not only mm-hmm. a complete quadrant, but he smashes it. So he had to, he had to render the component parts of this quadrant. He had to render, yeah. he had to render sharks. He had to look at everything that goes into processing a whale during this period on ship. Like there's, logistically, this book would be a nightmare for an illustrator because it's all research. You, you have to get these things down. In order to be convincing, you're right. You're right. I mean, and 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 the the process of of harvesting the first whale, yeah. and the sharks eating the underbelly, and them having kind of race uh, again. For those that don't know, literally back then, uh, when they would kill a whale, it would, you know, they would essentially bring the whale. One of the unfortunate things about whaling, as someone who loves whales, is that uh, whales float when they're killed. So um, it made it easy as to it made that's what made it the industry it was because you know, needless to say, if Back then, it was giant wooden boats, right? If if you if you killed something and it sunk, well, you, you know you weren't going to do much with it, right? Because uh, you're out in the middle of the ocean. But the fact that you could kill it 
it would float and you could bring it back to your big boat. And, you know, these boats were, were uh, and Shibute does a great job of this, of explaining that these boats are, um, they're not just a house and a, and a method of transportation, but they convert into a full-fledged processing plant like right. on the ocean whenever they have a whale there. Um, and that, that chapter where they, they meticulously go through the harvesting of the whale and the sharks eating the underbelly and them having to race against that and the danger of that because the sharks are nipping at the, you know, these guys are feet away from sharks that are on for, in a, in a feeding frenzy and, uh, you know, pulling off the skin and burning the blubber to get the oil out and, and putting it into casks. And, uh, yeah, and, and that's the kind of thing I'm talking about that makes it to me this, this a masterpiece is that he takes his time in that chapter and shows you the entirety of the process oh, and right. makes the point that it's yep. tedious. You know, it's, it's not, it's, it is a complex, hard, nasty, tedious process. It doesn't, it, he doesn't just gloss over it like, oh, we killed the whale and then there's a bunch of, a bunch of barrels of oil. Like it's, it's, that's, that's, that was what they were there to do. That was the job. Yep. I mean, killing the whale was part of it, but, but all those guys went from hunters on the water, uh, which is a skill unto itself. And rowers, you were either a rower or a harpooner, basically, uh, to having to come back and then be part of this factory, essentially, and and do that job. It was you had to have a bunch of different jobs at once. Yeah, I counted from the the time the sharks start feeding on the whale till the end of the processing is eight pages. Yeah, and in that time, you 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 see the the hooks going into the body of the whale mm-hmm. and the men cutting it and them hoisting it on board and cutting it apart and bringing it to the 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 furnace and the there's just the tools they're using i mean yeah you can fake a bowl on the end of a stick but that looks whether or not it is that looks authentic to me the mm-hmm. the the sweat on the men's brows and just the 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 one guy has the barrel on his shoulder and there's just sweat dripping all over his shoulders and and then they're hoisting it into the the hold of the ship and they're they're stacking it it's nuts it's just um it just speaks to the the tedium of mm-hmm. of the whole thing uh but the the main thing and i told you this on the slack the main thing uh, as soon as it started i said this is either going to be brilliant or it's going to fall flat on its face how he takes the the famous first line of the book and and makes it the last line of the book Mm-hmm. That's great. I thought that was really bold, mm-hmm. and and um, because it's like re-recording the Beatles, right? When, yeah. when you when when you decide to 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 tw- tinker with something that's uni- almost universally known as as being a uh, something of excellence, and you try and improve upon it, more often than not, you're going to fail. But I think we don't know Ishmael's name. Through the entire book, it's never mentioned until the very last line, and I think that I thought that was really smart. I don't say it's better than mm-hmm. Melville's, but it was it was a really strong, bold, ballsy move to do that, and I think it worked. Right, right, yeah. Um, and but the um, I always forget about the supernatural component to this story too, because the uh, the prophecy is really important. And it just speaks to how superstitious these guys were. Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, there are certain things, if, even if you see Deadliest Catch, there's certain things you don't do on a boat. Yeah. It, it may be easier than the way it's done, but you just don't do it because it's a bad thing. It's superstitiously bad thing to do on a boat. Um, and and uh, Fadala tells him, you know, you're going to see two hearses before. Um, 
I die and, and you die. And it, it, it pans out just the way he says. And I'm thinking, uh, when I originally read it, how a hearse on a, on the sea, like, I don't get, I don't get it. Like, what's this going to, how's it going to work? But he, it does. And, and I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't read the book. I think that's a really important part of the book. Um, because you have all this, at least for the time, technology around them. Like, this was, uh, a whaling vessel was pretty much up there in terms of technology for this period. Uh, the process, oh, absolutely. I the mean, processing. These were, yeah, these were massive investments. I mean, the owners, these were, uh, the, yeah, these were the oil rigs of their day, quite literally. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, if the, a successful vessel it went brought back, if brought back to Nantucket was going to make everybody that had ownership percentages wealth, wealthy people. Right. And not only were they um, processing, they also had carpenters on board that could mm. make things uh, at the drop of a, of a hat. And um, it's not stated, but I'm sure there was a doctor on board too, or, or at least someone familiar with medicine, um, quick, quick patch them up medicine. Um, but no, and, and it's just the, the prophecy is, is to me – not counting the layers that's that's the most important part of the book because it it shows that yeah these guys were riding this wave of technology but still they were they were god-fearing very superstitious men and when the another part when the the bird grabs his hat and and flies away with it that's just like the elements and nature is gonna get you you don't see Mm -hmm. it you just don't see it um and and like you said about the Starbuck uh, section where he tells him to go back to the ship because he realizes that Starbuck does have a family. Before that, Ahab was God on on the ship, literally God. He you, you could not um, do do your commandments. You could not take his name in vain. He would not brook any kind of criticism at all. I am Ahab, and you shall tremble before me. And there's a part. There's a section where. Starbuck does have the uh, opportunity to kill Ahab in his sleep, and he doesn't do it. And that's his downfall, really, because he's a good man. His be, being a good man was his, this character's downfall, I think. But no, it's just a fantastic book, and the visuals here, I think they complement the novel perfectly. This is better than the Sienkiewicz Moby Dick. Have you ever read that, Jason? No. Yeah, uh, first comics. Okay. Published a, a series of um, classic. It was it first, David? Yes, it was first. Mm-hmm. I believe it was first. Yeah, the classic illustrated and uh, Sienkiewicz. I don't know who did the the adaptation, but Sienkiewicz did the visuals, and you know it's great. But this this is more literal, obviously, than yeah, than yeah. Sienkiewicz's version, but um, no less imposing. The the whale is just ridiculous in this book he's gigantic like why you would ever get within a mile of this thing it's it's a monster it's a literal monster and and ahab just doesn't care and that's his downfall yeah it's a great book or a great comic obviously it's a great book Daph, did you, did you love that? it i i did i did i um i don't know what the hell I was doing in high school. I never read <laughs> the original. Um, still haven't read Moby Dick. The um, this work though, it it works. It, it's very easy to read a caption box. Say you know, three months later, 
and and just boom, you're where you need to be story wise. But that's missing here, deliberately so. It, it is very, you know, just to see Ishmael walk across a field for like three pages, or uh, like Vince said with with in the crow's nest when the bird takes Ahab's hat, I mean, the bird flew around him for a few panels before just swooping back around and grabbing it. And it's, and so I can imagine since the book is so big, so long that, um, that if, if the point is to let you know, kind of put you in the, the setting, this, this graphic novel does just that. I think I, I, there are, this is a great example of, Comics used their fullest potential when, when, when you can use just the page, just the sequential story to, to move it along, to give you a sense that, because it's very easy to, to, to repeat panels or to just say, you know, time passes and then you turn the page and you're this, you're forced to slow down to read. I mean, you could just flip through a couple of pages and, read the story, but if you're looking at each panel, if your eyes is they're focused on each panel as you read each page, you're going to get that sense of time passing over a long period of time. And I think that that, that is aside from the line work, that is a huge star of this book. Uh, the, the, the package is it's it's wonderful. I think the, the, everything you guys have already said regarding the, the Black Sea and just the, 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 you're not, I, I, I may have missed it reading over the, the, the chapter headers, things like that. I wasn't, I, I missed where it was three years at sea or however long they were out at sea. But yes, as you, as, as you get towards the end of the book, they do, because I was, for me to see see time pass, I, I'd, I'd expect you know stubble and long beards, and there aren't the guys are still pretty well shaved, but yes, the clothing, the hair, um, just the, the 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 weathered, haggard look everybody has, you can tell that um, that they're they're not the same fresh faces that they were at the start of this. Uh, of this job. Um, Ahab really comes to life. He is, um, between the scar on his face, pointing out the leg, letting everybody know what the hell the whale took from him and that he's going to be the one to take this whale down. Um, but his, his reaction to everything and almost like he'll, he'll, he'll yell and, and hoop and holler, but then he'll, measure himself and and just calm down uh when he's talking to starbuck or or when he's just you know it's it's like so so there's that sense that jason mentioned earlier about remember he, he's not he, he's not a a miserable prick of a man there is somebody who i mean in order for him to live this long to get where he is he he couldn't have been this type of person his entire life so um well he's not he's not extremely old he's old for the time but he's 
probably yeah. around sixty six. Yes, yeah, I would yeah. say I would say I would say in the sixties. Um, but even back then, I mean, was that? Uh, would you that say was that was the there. norm? No, that was up there. Like, so yeah, yeah. And, and and obviously, I mean, he's he, he said what he's he's like he's been on land for like no less than three years for as long as he's been married, and yeah. and you know, I mean, he's he's, he's been at sea. Pretty much most of his life. Now, never mind half of his adult. It's just, I mean, he's pretty much always been at sea. Um, fifty-eight, by the way. Fifty-eight. He's, he's a very very selfish man. Yes. 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 Um, and and it is definitely, you know, I mean, you could look and and for whatever hidden meaning about you know following someone blindly or, or letting someone else, um, you know, lead your life and 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 putting your fate in someone else's hands, what have you. But um, I think just just to look at what's on the page and and just read the story that way. You don't need to know everybody's name. You know who the main characters are, who, who, who are supposed to move the story along. Um, there one are the, a lot of, of the faceless- cool things about the book, in spite of it being super long and super detailed, is... There aren't that many characters in the book, you know. That really is a a small, tight group of characters. Well, they're they're confined. It's close quarters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Broke my heart when Queequeg wanted the the uh, the black canoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's one of the main symbols of the book, right? Because that casket represents life and death, right? It's right. death when he. This turns into a casket and then he, he lives and, and it gets turned into the new life buoy. And, yeah. um, and again, credit to Chabute for, I mean, because, you know, we're talking about a book that had, you know, over, uh, had 130 some chapters. And so, um, he, he had to pick his spots here. And, and I, I think it was important that he, that he didn't take that out of the book. Yeah. Uh, any, my, my main concern in it, and that's it. Now, is this, is this its original presentation? No. Or is this this is adapted, right? Yeah. This yeah. Book, this was originally published in, uh, let's see, twenty fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, 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 a, it's a right. It's a translation, a, right? Right. It's a French yeah. edition. Yeah. Okay. Which is why, which I assume that because of the word balloons, um, which don't really. It, it it kind of fits, I think, if if they were to use traditional um, rounded word balloons. I don't think it would have, for me visually, just I, I don't think it would have the same oomph to it. This is it. It just it. This is different, and and I guess it's because it's a lot of European books use the squared off word balloons. It it, it has that feel to, but I think it it. Um, it's not a uh, – it doesn't detract That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Now, see, I'm a little bit concerned because I'm saying 2014. Um, on the the uh, indicia here, it says uh, Moby Dick, copyright 2014, 2017, editions, blah, blah, blah. And then if you go down, it says uh, names. First Sha- English edition. Right. First English edition. But then it says names, Chaboutet, 1967, author, illustrator. Well, that was, I guess that's when he was born. That's his. That that. That's oh, when he why was would you put that? That's weird. Because it's it's. I, I maybe it's just. I don't know if it's a Library of Congress thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where 
that it, but that's because yeah, Herman hmm. Melville was born eighteen nineteen and died. Yeah, okay, all right. So yeah, twenty good twenty fourteen. But Jason, I, I is this a hardcover or, or a paperback? It's got to be hardcover. Nice, yes, nice, nice, nice. Now, uh, for those listening, we usually put up um, images pertaining to the things we talk about on our um, blog post on the 11oClockComics.com site, but Dark Horse has a a thing in place where if you get to get a very early glimpse of these books, you can't use any of the pages from the PDF. I'm just putting up the cover, but... Um, uh, Google Shabute, uh, Moby Dick, and maybe I'm sure some of this art. C H A B O U T E. Right. Um, it kind of sucks that they will not allow pages, but it makes sense because if you are at all interested in this, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You're going to go to a bookstore and you're going to look for this and you're going to open the book and you'll be like, "Damn, I must, yeah, have, I must have this." Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the interesting things, because uh, I do think it's such a faithful, uh, a faithful adaptation. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they, he doesn't. Uh, he he only omits one major character, and, and it's so strange because he, uh, you know, like when when movies when you make you know when movies or TV shows adapt books, they often veer from the source material. They combine characters, they remove characters, what have you. In this book, he's pretty much giving you a, uh, an an an. Uh, spot on adaptation of the novel, save for he doesn't have Pip in the book. Oh yeah, which is very. Uh, it's, I, if I could speak uh, French and get in touch with the gentleman, I would actually ask him because that had to be a very conscious choice to because he has everybody else. I mean, Flask, Dagu, Fidala, they're all in there. So I don't, I, I don't. Um, I'm curious as to why he felt it. To remove Pip from the story, I think he was in, in a battle against uh, Thanos. That's why he couldn't be on the ship. Huh. No, not the troll. Not the troll. <laughs> no, this is a winner. Young boy that was like the uh, like the the comic relief of the book, but then he gets uh, he gets left adrift, uh, separated from them for a while, and then when they bring him back on the boat, he's totally insane from his time being adrift. So, and he's kind of the he's like the extreme symbolism of of uh Ahab's own descent into madness, I think. So Oh okay. Yeah well maybe. Ahab's you know Ahab's like I you know we're talking about was Ahab mad and you asked you I think Ahab is more the embodiment of of fanaticism. He okay. he is he he is the 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 pinnacle illustration of fanaticism. Right, because he risks lives other than his own to get his goal. Yes. Like he's mm-hmm. he's he's totally um doesn't really concern himself whether his men live or die to a certain like if you bring a bunch of dudes on board a ship with you knowing that um your 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 goal is to bring in this thing that took the captain's leg at one point mm-hmm. wouldn't you be wouldn't you you, you say uh, you know maybe this isn't worth it maybe all these lives are not worth where are you going to go well, you, you go to a di- go to a different captain mutiny yeah yeah. Right, but it's yeah, but it's. I don't I under, definitely get. And this I, something like this ship reminds me of 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 current events, where um no it does where you have a group of pe- a group of like minded people who can change the course of their destinies and they don't take it, 
and strength in numbers, right? If the entire crew sees this man as mad as a hatter and going to get them all killed, group together and take him out. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, well yeah. if you don't have someone to chart your course, isn't it better to live and find, try and find your way home than to die at the hands of this gigantic white monster? Well, like, or yeah, hands, and, you know, the and in the book, I mean, it's not quite – like Starbucks on point right away. Like Starbucks like, well, my man's not with it. Like I, this isn't going to be an issue. <laughs> my man. But, but remember, I mean, the way it worked is everybody that got on that boat got a share of the profit. Like you even see in the in the in the in, in Chuck Bate's book, he Queequeg, um they want to give uh you know, they want to give him a share and then they see him throw the harpoon, right? And then they're like, All right, we're gonna you know, they they ump a share because it's definitely um it was basically a percentage of the take. Um I think Ishmael gets like what, like a seven hundred seventy seventh or something like that. Um a tiny little share. But uh, anyway, um uh but but in the so in the book, I mean, first of all, they're used to I mean, a lot of what these guys are out there doing is they, they know what they're getting into. Um, I mean, it is dangerous. It is long. It is tough conditions. It's, but it's all for the, for the pursuit of wealth, right? Um, but two, in the, in, in, in the, in the comic, because of the condensed time of the comic, they really show us that one eight page scene of the whaling, but they don't convey that they do in the book kill lots of other whales. And, and I, I think if you think about it from a journey's perspective, for a long time, while they're seeing chinks in the armor and Ahab's kind of crazy, and when he starts talking about the whale, he gets obsessed, and when they run on other ships, he's obsessed, they're still operating within the parameters of the way they would have expected. They're still, when they see other whales, he's not ignoring them. They're still going after them and trying to kill them and trying to harvest them. And um, So I think it's a, it's a slow burn where eventually it gets to the point where they're like, God damn, dude! Like, all right, this is getting ridiculous. And then he goes, and then he goes crazy because then he starts hearing reports of the whale being in the area. Right? Like, that's what happens for a long time. They're out there looking, and there's no sign of the whale. And he's, and he's like, okay. And then they run into a couple other ships, most notably Captain Boomer, um, who's really the mirror image. Take a look at yourself, Jack uh, character. He's Captain Boomer lost a limb. He lost an arm to to Moby Dick, and whereas Ahab is. Using the loss of the limb as a as a an impetus to go in, at all costs and get this whale, Boomer's like, dude, I man, I already lost enough. Like, I don't, I don't ever, I hope I never see that thing again. So you know, it's juxtaposition there. But but it's just it's an, it's a gradual thing until it gets to this point where they're at this point of desperation because they're low on provisions and 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 they've had a mishap with the oil and 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 you know the weather's bad and they're going to dangerous territory and. Yeah, and it just it's it just it just builds on itself, and his behavior is more and more erratic and more reclusive, and and finally they get to the point where they're just really giving up because they're like, man, I don't, I mean, what are we going to do at this point? So, um, I think the the OGN doesn't perfectly convey that 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 foreboding, that building of the foreboding, because he has to probably given the the, the limitation of the pages, he has to start a habit a crazier place than he probably was in the book. Yeah, if you embark on a three year sailing expedition how much water do you have to have on that boat just uh, think about it you have an entire crew that needs water or they're going to die yeah i assume i mean they must i mean they stopped for provisions right yeah but we don't ever see that in the book in the in the adaptation here but um, yeah yeah, okay and they boil it i mean they boil water a lot yeah but yeah you're right it's it's true 
All right, great book. I mean, even even the food, or I mean, just think, I mean, the right. whole thing. I don't know. Well, I mean, the going food, to the bathroom, you, cleaning yourself. I mean, yeah. you could just throw a net overboard for food. I mean, right? talk about stanky. Seriously, and what about a little bit of the, you know, nook and nook? What are they doing? Well, they're they, hitting it. That's okay. they're counting each other. That is not what I was thinking. Well, what do you think? I mean, that's, I mean, it's just that's the natural order of things, right? Okay. When, it, when you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. You it's true. It's like you know, it's how it's like how we roll. We're heroes. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which God did. without the black canoe. Shake what your mama gave you. you yeah, know? It's good stuff. I'm glad you you uh, impelled me to uh, read this thing. It's phenomenal. It's 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 super well done. I, I think it's one of the better adaptations of of the novel. I gotta uh, say the though, the covers. Gorgeous! I, I oh, the covers that's so much. I right? would love to see the in the the guts, like the cover. But yeah, it, 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 as Jason would say, it ain't no thing. It, the covers. Well, uh, and that's the other thing. I mean, with Moby Dick is is you never really, you know, because it's coming from the mind of Ishmael, right? All this that happened. You, you don't you don't really ever know for sure. Like, that's another big part of the book. I mean, what was Moby? I mean, yes, Moby Dick was a giant white sperm whale, but, but was it supposed to be symbolic? Was he, you know, was he, because again, I mean, it is in and of itself somewhat supernatural. You'd have this gigantic, I mean, sperm whales are gigantic in general, but, but Moby Dick is many times larger than a typical sperm whale. And uh, even in the covers, you see, I mean, he's got, the harpoons look like little, little toothpicks on him. Um, you know, and, and he's, and he's an albino, which is, you know, color and symbolism is a big part of the book. And, um, I mean, if he is a real biological creature, not a, a spiritual or a uh, mythical one, he, he's, he's an albino. Um, and, uh, and, and there's, there's, in the novel, there's, there's long, very frankly dry parts where they go into the very concepts and etymology and anatomy and of everything they knew back then about whales. And again, it's actually a lot of it. Back then, what they knew is wrong relative to what we've come to learn about whales. But at the time, it was it was perceived to be the facts. Um, and 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 part of that again is that they know that they spent so much time. Melville spent so much time educating the reader about everything about whaling and whales and the sea. And the one thing that they can't quite define is Moby Dick. It's he's a force of nature, right? He truly is something that can't be defined and is somewhat mythical. And he's mythical until he shows up and kills them all. Yeah. <laughs> In which case, he's not really mythical. And even on the off chance they did bring the whale down, I, judging by its size, I don't think they had the capabilities to process the whale. Like, they would leave a lot of it there. Well, I don't – yeah, that's interesting. I never took it to be that they had any intention of processing the whale. I, I think this was purely driven out of Ahab viewing the whale as, as, as evil incarnate and wanting to, right. to purge it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so – Great, and they did a great job drawing Queequeg, by the way. They did talk about that alone. Oh, how to draw those tattoos every time? Yeah, he was on the screen on the page. And I think um, that Ahab does not possess eyelids. <laughs> His eyes are always like bug. He's got a cookie eye all the time, um, but it's it's maniacal and it works. Yeah, mm-hmm. great stuff. All right, word up. Kudos on Jason for uh, the push. No, kudos on Shabute. Yes. Shibuti. Or Shibuti, as Shibuti. you said. Shibuti. I call him Shibuti. 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 But it's February 16th, and you just lock lock it up. 
lock it up. Yeah, you might as well make the uh, the Google Form. Yeah, it's locked. He's locked now, up. When does did this thing ship already? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. I have the book. Yeah. Oh, okay. I actually have the hardcover. Yeah. Nice. So get out there and, and scoop you up some dick. Mm. Yes. You'll love it. Tell us you. Okay. Uh, what, <laughs> what else do we have, David? Tell them large Marge sent you. Um, we have something that came out yesterday. Yesterday. And it is a gorgeously illustrated book. Might be a little bit of a quick read. Right. Uh, or that. Undo, un- uh, undo all the good you just did with that. Yep. Oh, just what, for burping? For yes, really? yes, for burping. Um, Why does that bother you so much? Because you're so goddamn intelligent. And then you you, but, but, you don't got to work. You, you, I don't understand the analogy that burping is not – like it's a, it's a biological act. It has nothing to do with one's IQ or ability to process information. But the act of deciding whether to burp or not is. I'm hanging out with my boys. If I, I mean, <laughs> but you're not really real. though. <laughs> you but will, I am though. Really though? Go ahead. Go ahead. Do it. Come on. Let's get into this. I know what you're going into. Um, my God. <laughs> You're right, dude. You're I am. Unclench. You good? Unclench. I'm the most. You can drive a bus through my butthole. That's how unclench that I just am. Blew you up. He didn't blow me. <laughs> he broke nothing. Anywho, so came out yesterday, written by Mister Peter J. Tomasi. Story and words, according to the credit box, and beautifully illustrated by. 11 o'clock for winner. Or hey, man, is. This is Super Sons number one. Uh, colorist is Alejandro Sanchez and Rob Lee does your letters. I am annoyed by the prologue because I can, it, it, I feel like it, it took me two extra pages to get to the good shit and Using Vince's analogy with, if you're going to show a gun in the first act, this has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of this issue. And I'm sure we're leading somewhere with it. And I thought the whole mixing up the, the, the Archie Andrews and, and, and the Archie and Reggie names was cute, but I didn't care for the little, um, sitcom family moment at the beginning. However, that said, John and Damien are great as the uh, 48 hours lethal weapon, two dudes you don't that, – that, that just really kind of don't get along, but you're going to get the job done. Um, I, I had a, a huge kick out of most of this first issue, and as long as Jimenez is drawing it, I will be reading it. Hmm. Condensed. That's condensed. Yes, because I'm not. I I figure you'll spoil it, so I don't want him to have it. Oh, I'm not going. I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, um, I, no, I'm not. It's there are the reason it's it's kind of condensed is because except for the action at the beginning with our heroes and the last page. There's more that happened in this issue than what happened in the Wildstorm first issue, but I still can't really break down to someone 
what happened in this issue. There were some great moments between John and Damien. But as far as what's the what's the book about? It's about Superboy and Robin teaming up. I mean, there's I can't tell you what the plot is right now. Hmm. So that's why I'm I'm condensed. Well, it is an opening chapter in I'm guessing a four or five chapter story, right? Um, we know these characters very well, but if you were um, if you were a Superman fan, didn't really vibe on the Bat Universe or vice versa or just a casual comic fan and you just wanted to pick up this issue, I think this issue does a really good job at establishing who these characters are. Jonathan, heart of gold, always there for the underdog, the the maligned, the the people that are picked on. Um, Damien, incredibly smart, somewhat egotistical, abrasive, but again, he has his heart's in the right place, right? What? He said somewhat. No, he's somewhat abrasive. He's not so much in this, right? Um, mm -hmm. th uh, I think the two do like each other because they because they do come together voluntarily. It's not like you know, Dad and and Batman want to have a picnic, so I got to go with that damn Damien kid. They're they're voluntarily coming together. Where in the beginning we saw it slowly in in Superman, where the, the 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 two met up and it was just like oil and water, because you know Hayseed and and he calls. Um, I don't think Jonathan knows uh, the extent that Damien uh, has gone, especially in the League of Assassins. I think that's going to be a problem in this book because well, once they kind of it, 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 he is hinted at because when um, he says. Uh, I could have had a doctorate in geology at seven years old. Well, then why did you? Because my mother killed my professor and dumped mm -hmm. him in the ocean. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And I was, you know, so. Well, I like, and then there's the pregnant pause, and then yeah. he's like, oh, you're serious. Oh, shit. Yeah. And it's like, how long have you been driving? He's like, since I was five. Yeah. I'm like, all right, then. Now, I think there's a lot of heart in this issue. Jonathan. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, Jonathan is, is, is the pulse. Damien is the brain. Um, but the one page that really got me like Tomasi knows Superman the mm -hmm. when when the family are together and it's game night and they're just playing cards and um you know they're reassuring Jonathan like hey you did the right thing picking on those those bullies and standing up for the the oppressed and and dad's like I would have did the same thing I just like I wouldn't have fried them with my hate vision but and then when they're when they're done with the game Superman has to go on Justice League business and when he, it's a small little point in the, in the story, but it speaks volumes. When Superman kisses Lois, she friggin' melts. Like yeah, she just, yeah, I know, dude. she drops, like I'm thinking she had yeah. a, had a moment right there, you know, like, yes, she drops the card, she loses all the strength in her legs and, and the, the panel that really gets me, Superman kisses Jonathan right on the forehead. Like yeah. that is fucking brilliant right there. And I, I so wish it was laid out better because the, the, the action, if you follow his, his tail from, from his cape, it, it's like if he had went, if he, if the zigzag went from Jonathan to Lois and then flew away, but the tail is coming from behind where John, that's, but see, that's, I mean, yes, that, but that, I love you. And, and also, <laughs> I also do, panel, I love you. It's an, an awesome panel and that's what, and, and, and that's just, it, it, I would have loved 
it just laid out just any a little differently. But yes, it's it's <laughs> it, it, it's drawn beautifully. And, and oh, I, and it I think certainly is. Jimenez yeah. Jimenez as Lois is is beyond fine. But and and I love I do love the family moments because then you see you know the the, the pre- previous to that is the the family scene in the Bat Cave and. Damien is scolded because he didn't do his homework and yeah. he's, uh, you know, and he's, he's, he's a kid, but he's a dick to Alfred and, and you know, it's just, but it's, Dude, that it, Batman, it, is, though. It, it is, it is the flip side to the life you have when you're a Kent. So, right. But um, how about that Batman? Gleason's Batman is imposing. Yeah. Like he's built like a brick shit house. You are not getting past that dude. Look, <laughs> look at his shoulders. He know, he draws Batman almost bigger than Superman. Dude, why'd you say Gleason though? Oh, sorry, Jimenez. I oh, because yeah. I was just gonna say, I think Jimenez is getting right up there with Gleason in depicting Damien and Jonathan. Well, I think I, I think because um, that it, it was very didn't uh, when 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 they were doing the Super Sons arc in the Superman book, I believe Batman. Was more broad than Superman. That's awesome. So it's, he, he yes, just, which I think he should be. I mean, Superman's probably taller, but I would think Batman because he actually has to work out. Um, I would think that Batman would be more broad. Yeah, than, his legs are like thick. Look at yeah, I, I don't you know. Get on him, dude. No, I'm just thinking he's, 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 he's a fine-looking specimen. With him. That's my man. No, he's just he's, look at him. <laughs> But no, um, and then um, because I consider Damien Gleason's all Gleason, because Gleason did that work with Robinson of Batman. Twelve issues are just amazing, and which I have, I I just have to read. I really like uh, Jimenez's version of both of these these kids. The 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 expression on the, the humanity comes through on Jonathan all the time, where. Damien is kind of cold and calculating and distant, intentionally distant. It just works. It it is Superman, Batman in little tiny miniature form. And he, he Jimenez, it, uh, unlike Ariel Olivetti trying to draw Baby Hope, they actually never, never let you go. Remember in nineteen sixty three when that guy gave me a dirty look? God damn that guy. <laughs> well, come on! I love, you so, I love you so much. <laughs> so for you, it's Valentine's. He's not wrong. It's Valentine's Day week, so boo is not wrong. No, he's not. <laughs> of course, you had to go shit on it then to put the boo in there. Go the, ahead. The, uh, when, when when John jumps up out of bed, it's and and he's wearing his PJs. It's like it, so it, cute, little skinny little kid, so and it's cute. not you know he's. he's He's not Joe Six Pack underneath. No, it's, it. I think Jimenez is just is actually keyed in on this. It's just it's it's a beautiful. And then they go back and forth. It's like, well, I would have I would have heat vision to Yale. I would have hit you in solar plexus. Well, I would. And it's just, right. that, that's it's it's great. And I don't know, I don't know what kind of home life. To, I know we at New York Comic Con we talked to Tomasi and and we're trying to hope that he'd be able to come on the show. But of course, there's home life and everything like that. I don't know if he's using 
his kids, real life kids. I don't know what kind of family life there is, so oh, I don't be nice. know yeah. where, where 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 the research is from this. But it is um, it doesn't read like you know somebody who who knows about kids because he watched Leave It to Beaver growing up. It, it, it there's it it feels like there's there's something real here, right? And the, one of the things that uh, both characters have, though they show it in different ways, is respect. Jonathan, obviously, it's very visible in Jonathan, the respect he has for his mother and his father. And, and even, like, even Batman and Damien, where Damien, the fact that Damien even comes to this, to Jonathan, shows me that he respects him to a point. Like, he may not let on, but Damien is very calculating. If he's gonna go on a mission, he wants everybody with him on that mission to pull their own weight if he didn't think jonathan had it he would not ask him to come with him right so yeah, i don't it, think he's using him no to get it to lex score so you know right yeah he's no by the very the very inclusion of jonathan is an admission by damien like you're okay kid i would never say it but you're all right mm-hmm. yeah and, and the, nice, uh, the, the, just the plot of this issue is there's somebody hacking uh lex corp and um Damien and and Jonathan are going to check it out. That's I guess uh, that that's the uh, and the the preamble with the the weird sitcom family. Yeah, and the kid who can push the family into doing what he wants. But um, that's a wasted that nice page. Little, uh, that one, what? the group hug page is a wasted page. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's not. Nice that's the only dark, one in this thing. Dark Knight Returns uh, homage going on there in one of the panels too. Which, what are you talking about? Right before the last page. The penalty oh, page. Oh, the, um, the, the lightning page. bolt, yeah. 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 But, and that was, and, and we have, I mean, the prologue starts off, it's two pages, but then we cut to, when we get to the action starting, we're at now, and then, um, and then we're two days earlier, it was just, it, it, it it's not an annoying time thing, but it was just, I mean, it, it's, well, why, I don't know when the prologue takes place. I just, I'm really annoyed by the prologue. It just hit me. <laughs> Seriously. Um, uh, like Damien. Crazy. Damien with his little Don Post mask as the bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. It's like Willie Lumpkin, the bus driver. Ah, how many times has Bruce gone undercover as matches, you know, or, or some yeah. some kind of makeup going on? It just, it, this, it just feels right, this book. Okay, weird. Wearing his little, his little stilt shoes. Yeah. Jason, did you love it? Yeah, I did, and and I, uh, I don't, I don't have the disdain for Damien. I think a lot of people do. Silly. Um, oh, I think I'm one of the only people who actually has disdain for him. I'm pretty sure everybody else loves him. Oh, that's okay. Um, but uh, a couple things. One, this style seems so well suited to kids. And I must admit, I know Dap uh, was all up on the Jorge Menes love with the eleven o'clockers, but not being a Superman reader, uh, is is his style different in that, or, or did, is no. it the same? No, it's pretty much the same. And yeah. I actually, I have to read like what is it, Earth Two Society, or someone told me that. Um, yeah, told on Twitter what what Hernandez was doing before the Superman book. Okay, it's one of the Earth Two books, so I'm going to look for those to find out if his style has. I got you. Has changed, but okay, um, cool. But, uh, uh, no, it's so very I- similar to. Superman. Okay, um, that makes me even want to read Superman, Superman more. Um, also, I think he draws an amazingly sexy Lois. Right, right. I mean, I, I mean, it's not like pin up like no, like Manara sexy, but it's like 
don't know. Like, it looks like like Dude. what a real, legit, super hot wife would look like. Dude, she looks like your wife. I thought that a little bit. That's what I was saying, right? I was yeah. Like, I was like, I, I've been up in there. <laughs> I know what that's like. <laughs> Respect. That's nice. <laughs> um, but no, he does. Um but like you guys said, man, it's fun. It's energetic, and I like the chemistry is great. They have ke- great chemistry together. Yep. I, it's 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 awesome, and, and they can been... have a lot of fun with this because they're, they're you know I I yeah I don't know I it was a home run for me, and yeah. I I read it basically because y'all were reading it, and then you were up in it. I I, oh, I probably it wasn't on my short list, but I uh, I'm glad that it's, I'll definitely keep going with this one for sure. And it's my, it's too. happened over such a short time, where Damien's been around since. Morrison's Morrison. run on Batman. Yeah. But Jonathan mm-hmm. is a relatively new thing. And for Jonathan to be as developed a character as Damien in a quarter, even less, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a fifth or a sixth of, of the time, that it, that's just amazing to me. Jonathan is, is real. And they mm-hmm. didn't have all that much time with him. I love the way Clark is hunched over the table. Playing cards, he's got the oh. cards close to his chest. Love it, say, yeah, right? Don't want anybody cheating? It's just and Lois me. is just like, yeah, I got y'all. Yeah, I got. It's like, yeah, okay, with your poker face, but it's no. I this was a fun book. If the next eleven issues are like this, this will. Since we already started talking about the classics with Moby Dick, this could very well be on mine somewhere this year. Wow, cool. Go dap. No, it seems to hit, you know, it, it's, I'm not putting all the eggs in the basket because I was so stoked with Spider-Gwen a couple of years ago and then Secret Wars fucked that up. So I'm hoping <laughs> things don't go astray with this. Um, but as far as the first issue goes, um, nitpicks aside, it, 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 it was strong and, and came out the gate swinging and I can't, um, I no, I, I I really really enjoyed it. And it's not you don't even yes if you know if you were if you read the Superman issues that kind of led to this if you want to call it a spinoff great but you don't need to re- you didn't need to read the Superman stories before you get to this. It's it's yeah. a real strong first issue. These are the characters and you're off and running and that's. So here's here's the first issue that really really worked, uh, and and the creators and the characters were all used perfectly. Compare that to to the Wild Storm, and it's almost night and day. Right. Mm-hmm. I would go as far to say that this is the strongest rebirth first issue to date. Whoa! I don't know about that. What? Yeah. I'd have to rethink. I think back yeah, on. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know though about that. The first, the the best rebirth issue you've read this year. It's only freaking February, but yeah, I'm talking. I'm, I'm talking to... first issue. This this feels. This is better than Trinity first, first issue. First issues, yes, it was agreed. better. It's better than Batman. It was agreed. No, yes, yes, Batman. Because... Yeah, first issue. All right. Um, Detective was. Excellent, but this one had the heart that Detective didn't have. Green Arrow, come on, like stack them up. This, this Blue Beetle, this, this is. Well, you're not really gonna stop. Get an Don't. Why you got a shit on? I'm not like shit on anything. I'm telling you. Uh, 
get an argument. I, I'm just saying, in terms of heart, fun, just a complete package, this one to me is is uh, it's str- it's fighting with whatever I can think of that was the first, the best first issue of, of Rebirth. This is be- this is better than Supergirl. This yeah. is better than Superwoman. Yep. Like, come yep. on, not better than Detective, though. I think yeah. so. I, uh, Detective was intentionally cold. This one, this one has the pulse. It has heart. It's but, good. But, but yeah, I don't know if I can go go this far on it. But but I'm, I mean, I enjoyed the book. I, I'm not sure if I'm ready to to go Vince hyperbole on this one, but yeah. it, it's, it's good though. It's, it's not hyperbole, long. man. And I would take heart over. You're not really going to be able to to knock Jason off his getting the band together, or so it's it's. Oh, and that was Detective. See, I, I hate that. So. I hate that. Do you hate that? I hate getting the band together. You hate the band getting together? Oh, that fucking hurts my heart. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just like, it's let's let's cold. get there. You just cut me to the quick. Dude. Let's do this. <laughs> uh, what, what else do we have? Oh, my God. Nothing. <laughs> it's like I'm done. Yeah, shit. <laughs> Ooh, no. Um, uh, I got a couple things. Uh, I don't think any of y'all read, but... Vince, my friend, you love the naughty, do you not? <laughs> Very much. I know where this is going. Well, oh, I know. A couple years back, I vociferously uh, praised the first volume of this book, which was by Miss Jess Fink. Mm-hmm. The book being Chester Five Thousand, uh, which was a, a hardcover print of her uh, long-standing web comic. Uh, and, uh, lo and behold, a few years later, in my inbox is, uh, volume two of Chester 5000, Isabel and George. Um, as the book says right on it, it's for adults only. Um, for those of you that listen to, uh, the show with your kids in the car, first of all, you're, you're, you're nuts, but <laughs> second of all, just in case you, you're still doing it, this would not be the time to, you might want to hit pause. Um, my goodness. Well, you've read Chester 5000 or parts of it, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pure porn. I mean, it's pornography. It's Vince's uh, all-ages book of the year. <laughs> it is uh, set in the 18, late 1800s in the Industrial Revolution. Uh, and this picks up where the last one left off, um, which is basically, the, in the first volume, Priscilla was a basically a woman who uh, wasn't getting the loving that she needed, basically. Uh, and so her husband, who is an inventor... And loves his wife very much, but he's just consumed by his work. Builds uh, her a lover, Chester, a robot. Uh, and it goes from there. And it's also made clear that her husband um, is bisexual. So this book continues from there. Um, uh, they uh, were, were introduced to Isabel and George. George is, Chester, is, uh, is Priscilla's uh, husband's uh, you know, sort of partner in the inventing business. And, uh, and uh, it, Let's just say uh, everybody interacts with everybody. <laughs> um, uh, but um, this is a thing where we don't need to, uh, to to overanalyze this. This is what it is. It's you know Jess is a, a very uh, you know passionate uh, creator, and she makes modern day porn comics. And they're again, I find it. I think she's she's funny and it's sexy and. Uh, uh, it's a quick, it's a quick read. I mean, again, there's not much story there. It's, <laughs> it is what it is, but, uh, but it's good stuff, man. And you know, if, if, if that kind of thing floats your boat, then, uh, give it a, you know, give it a try. It's, uh, 
it's it's good stuff and and getting quite rave reviews by everybody from the AV club to uh you know the guardian all sorts of places but uh but yeah it was uh, it was nice to go back and visit that for a little while um she's she's quite the uh quite the uh provocateur it's on my list you would like it for sure well yeah come on right she's straight naughty and this is a top shelf book yes um, I don't think it is actually. Huh? I don't see Top Shelf on here anymore. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't see. Don't. No, I think it's just self-published, man. Huh? Okay. Cool. Yeah, it says you can you can find her work on at Jess Fink, which is J E S S F I N K dot com. Jess Fink dot com backslash Chester five thousand. Um. JessFink.tumblr.com, but yeah, I don't uh, I think she self-publishes. It might have even been a Kickstarter. I think about it. All right. So, do you really want me to go into what I got for this week? Ooh, don't we, though? All right, I'll try and make a quick. Well, only list. if you're gonna. It's gonna be enjoyable. For oh you. no, it'll be very enjoyable. But the list of contributors to this series is long. Um, in my last DCBS box. I received Prophet Volume Five, which was yeah. which was the Earth War and the end of the series. Mm-hmm. And I started reading it, and I'm like, mm, it's been a while since I read Prophet. I should really go back and, and revisit the series. So I read everything over again, Volume One to Five, one shot, close to 800 pages of comics. Now, we talked way back in episode uh, 353 about Profit. That's over 100 episodes ago. So yeah, it, it's it, been a while. It was, something, it was something we were hot and heavy on and then let it fall by the wayside. And I'm kind of kicking myself because um, had I received and read volume 5 before the 11 O'Clockers, my choice for favorite science fiction comic would have been very different. It's true. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Um, this was uh, the mastermind behind this whole thing is Brandon Graham. And he has written uh, various issues in collaboration with Simon Roy, Farrell Dalrymple, Giannis, Milo No Giannis. But the art team, teams on this uh, series is gigantic. Um, Brandon Graham, Simon Roy, Farrell Dalrymple, Giannis, Milo no Giannis, Emma Rios, Phil Barlow, Helen Mayer, Boo Cook, Malachi Ward, Matt Sheehan, Zachary Baldus, Aaron Conley, Jim Rugg, Bayard Bodwine, Dave Taylor, Ron Wimberly, Ron frickin' Wimberly, James Stokoe, um, Lando, who took time off from Cloud City to draw some stuff, Grim Wilkins, mm-hmm. Sandra Lands. Anta, Ron Atkins, Tom Parkinson, Morgan, Gail Bertrand, Rob Liefeld, Addison Duke, Ludrow, and, oh, there's two more, Amy Claire, and our buddy, Zerzo G. Penalta's in here. Nice. For real. Color I don't art. know if he's our buddy anymore, though, is he? Nah, he still listens. I mean, he... Does he? He, he pen... He, he 
constructed our very first 11 o'clock commentary. Oh, no, I know. I know, but I feel like we haven't heard from him in a long time. Oh, he's, I'm, I'm sure he keeps keeps an ear All right. us. Yeah. Shout I mean, out if you're there. I, every time I see his, stock, his stuff on various uh, social media, I, I automatically love it because the man is just amazing. Uh, color art by Richard Ballerman, who has the most perfect name in the universe. Baller! Joseph Bergen II, Graham did some color work, Jason Wardy, Ron Adkins, Lind Fizzle, and Paul Davey. It's a gigantic series. Um, I'm, I'm not going to get into every trade because that would be silly, right? But um, the story is like relatively simple, but... The events are are heavily adorned. Like think of a Fabergé egg. The form of a Fabergé egg is is very simple and elegant. It's an egg, right? Mm-hmm. One, one of the most elegant shapes ever. But the exterior of that egg is is rife with detail. That's Brandon Graham's profit. It's basically the rebels versus the empire. It's a simple story, but he goes into such detail with the trappings of this universe and the tools and the alien races and the processes. Like you remember the the when we talked about the first volume, Remission, about the the dole mantle that Prophet used to help him breathe and it and it remade his lost arm and it it it's just like there are things in this series in every single issue that don't need to be there, but they make the the universe that Graham has created so much more real, more vivid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 gist of this story: um, humanity has expanded beyond Earth. Um, we've pretty much moved to the entire solar system, but it's not enough. So an empire forms with the desire to spread beyond the confines of the solar system. But to do this, you need soldiers, you need emissaries, you need agents, right? So they cook up a clone army from the DNA of uh, Earth's metahumans, and they make these these incredibly sturdy warriors to explore, um, destabilize where necessary, and ultimately subjugate the universe in the name of the Empire. So, you have this incredibly powerful armory of clone soldiers. How do you control them? That's where the brain mothers come in. You have these um, psychic, uh, gigantic, think MODOK. Think female MODOK in, in a protective shell. Big, big, big brains, teeny, teeny, tiny faces and bodies. Um, they're psychically adept, so they can manipulate and instruct and and coerce and propel the prophets from across the universe, just with their minds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are controlling the strong arm of the the galaxy, you're pretty much in charge. So the 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 brain mothers escalate to the leadership cast. Very, very long story. The Empire eventually crumbles under its own weight. Uh, the prophets take it upon themselves to create like mini empires across the universe. Uh, but the Empire planted a failsafe. They seeded the universe with cryogenically sleeping prophet soldiers that they um, could ignite 
at a moment's notice, and that's the entire first trade. Uh, mm-hmm. Takes place largely on Earth. John Prophet is roused from um, his slumber and instructed to climb the tower of uh, Sawilu Va, and the tip of the tower is tethered to the God satellite. Just the tip. Just the tip. Just the, <clears throat> just that head part. Um, and he activates all the prophets in cryosleep, which reignites the Earth Empire. But a resistance forms around Old Man Prophet, who has the incredibly cool but very cumbersome name of the great gray grandfather Jonathan Prophet, Lord of the Wolf Rayet Star. Um, that ornamental headgear that Liefeld created for the original Prophet, while it looked kind of cool, it was really no more than just cosmetic. Um, but Brandon Graham took that crown and gave it a purpose. The, the crown blocks the psychic control of the brain mothers. And over a course of time, Jonathan Prophet recruits a squad of rebels, mm-hmm. among them friggin' Die Hard. He takes all the Liefeld stuff, which was admittedly cool back in the day. Like, I am an unapologetic Liefeld fan. I love everything he's ever done. I don't care about feet. I don't care about big chests. That's right. I, I love Liefeld stuff. <laughs> and and he has taken all that super cool stuff that Liefeld has created and he makes it plausible. He makes it believable. He gives it backstory and a reason and future story, right? Um, Die Hard was eventually mass produced in a wave of robots that are all patterned after the brain of the original Die Hard. Like, in this story, Die Hard is thousands and thousands of years old. And he can manipulate his body. He can break apart. He can restructure it. At one point in the book, he's like a centaur with like a horse body, freaking Die Hard, on the, on the, and the human part. Like, it's just cool, but it makes sense, right? Um, other prophets join him. Alien races join him. There's a scale warrior called Rain East, uh, a Kinian tree organi- organism called, and I always screw this name up, Heon Hygen. He's a tree. And, mm-hmm. he, and he bonds with Prophet's ship. And it's just, this, there's so much going on there. We get over the course of like five volumes, you get to to learn about all the slave races that have been subjugated by the Empire. Um, there's a group of crystal worshippers that pay homage to this crystalline entity that eventually enters their body and like possesses them and that the goal of the crystal worshippers is to have the entire universe taken over by this crystalline entity. There's a red nucleus that was, again, a crystalline being from another dimension that warped into our dimension and when it did, parts of it got sheared off and the only thing remaining was this little, little, but this nucleus. And Graham goes over billions of years in the evolution of this nexus that eventually comes to plague um, Jonathan Prophet and the entire universe. Badrock and Sons are in this. Badrock's, Badrock's kids are the size of planets. They're, they're sleeping Badrocks. Glory... The the revival of Glory that we've read, that was awesome. Glory is in this thing. 
She has ascended to godlike status. She's gone to another dimension. Two of the characters in this book eventually commune with glory. It's new. Is it uh, drawn the same way that uh, Sophie Campbell drew her? Yeah, more or less, yeah. Yeah, more yeah. or less. Um, cool. But she's a god, and she's gigantic. Mm-hmm. Um, Supreme and Lady Supreme are in here. Supreme has since passed on. And he is now the power source for um, the. Uh, I want to get the exact name of these characters. The mm-hmm. uh, they're they're a, a group of female warriors that have given up their their bodies and are now mm-hmm. occupy mechs. They're 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 cyber warriors now, um, and Lady Supreme is now Lady Probable. She 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 leads. These uh, the Babel Horologian were a clan of women warriors led by the child of super beings Chelsea Henry, formerly Lady Supreme, and Probe, now known as Lady Probable. And <laughs> Supreme is the power source for these these. Uh, oh my God! Beings. Why did no. I stop reading Prophet? No, seriously, it's amazing. No, and, dude, yeah, I didn't know that they tied into the other the characters. All of them. Troll is in here too. Oh, dude, that's it's, awesome. No, but it's there. not. It's not the troll that you remember. Um, Bad Rock and Troll have a battle, but they are they're now cosmic entities. Mm-hmm. Bad Rock is colossal, and Troll is like immense. And it's it's this story is epic in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. It goes on for th- for a long time, and um, it begins and ends in the same spot. You know, if you like your sci-fi super thick and chewy, like I'm thinking Mobius and Yodorowsky, mm-hmm. this Brandon Graham's prophet is everything that the Inkle is. It's everything that the Metabarons is. It's that dense. I don't. I, I really. Mm-hmm. If I had two hours to get into it, mm-hmm. I, w- I wouldn't be able to do it. There's just so much to chew on in this in this series, like. Not just the events, like I was saying, just the, the, the tools that these characters use to survive in the rigors of space. Um, the, 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 there's a neonaut star skin that is like a big gigantic pink baby that envelops characters whenever they go into very hazardous, um, conditions such as space, you know, uh, and it's not, the the art styles of all the people that worked on this are so far removed from the mainstream. It's an it's an indie. That is very true. Yeah. Yes, it's an indie Estoco. Come on, it's it's an indie, um, underground, very um, grassroots kind of style. Like it's not polished at all, and it doesn't need to be. Um, it's it's just an amazing work, and I'm wondering, like, is Image going to publish this in one volume? Because it you need to read it all in one sh- chunk. Because if you just read the first trade, you only get a peek at what's going on, and it develops over the course of of the story where it's like you, you don't know where it's going, and something will enter the picture that seems to be an unimaginable threat, and like, how can they possibly overcome this? And it's he does. Um, a 180 and just goes in the opposite direction like it's it's amazing it really is um there were two issues again hinging on the stuff that Liefeld created there were two issues called um prophet strike file 
that break down the yeah. The, I have them. I've not read them. Though. No, but they're they're crucial because okay. it, it tells you the history of the the red nucleus and the the Earth Empire and all of the things that they use within. If you read the two issues of the Prophet Strike File and you aren't intrigued enough to get the the rest of the story, then I got nothing for you. I really, I, I don't see how you can be subject to brilliance on this level and just not like want more. It's, it's an amazing story. Yep. And that the, the two strike file issues are contained in volume four. So you get them. If you buy all the trades, there's five of them. If you buy all the trades, you will get everything you need to read for this story. Sweet. It's amazing. Yeah. And like I said, if if I kept up on it, and this on me, you know, I, I would is. I would have tweaked my uh, sci-fi so, so. Uh, eleven o'clock. Yeah, I, well, you're making me feel like an imbecile for. Uh, I think I stopped at the third. Grade. Oh, but you're in the thick of it, though. When you get to the third, yeah, 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 because that third trays empire. That's that's where the four armed, well, three three armed prophet comes four in. Armed is forewarned, you know. What I mean? And like he's a major major threat. In, in the book. Mm-hmm. And it, no, it's amazing. You, I I want to read this book. It's so detailed and so thick that I can you can read this book every couple months and discover things that you missed the first time around. Mm-hmm. It's one of those books that you would want to read every year where it's just like, man, this came from, from one dude, essentially. And, and I would like to get Graham back on to ask him, was all this drawn out when he was doing the first trade or did it come to him over a period of time? It's sound like he's world building. Be careful. Oh, no. He's not world building. Oh, he's, he's The dude is universe building. It's I don't care if he doesn't like it. The, <laughs> this is No, it's a fully realized universe. And the one thing that gets me, like I'm not a foodie, but like y'all. Wait, what? I'm not a foodie. <laughs> I, I have friends Who that, knew? I have friends that that Shocker. are very, very concerned with what they eat. The consumption of food is a very big part of this series. And it's not like a foodie, very you know particular about the prophets along their journey will eat anything to get the energy mm-hmm. to continue their mission. They'll cannibalize. Mm-hmm. If, if, if a prophet falls and there still needs to be something done, living prophets will cannibalize that dead one in order to fulfill their mission like one they will eat their own body parts that have lopped off in order to get the energy to continue their own mission there are organisms that are the size of planets that are well it's like in rumble right they right they eat they gotta eat whatever they can yeah like physical bodies that are the size of planets in this series it's just it's mind-blowing i that's that's trite and a, a, a phrase to use, but it is. It, it, this the, the concepts in this series will will expand what you will um, think possible for a, a a comic series. The down to like the consumption of food. He the Brandon left no stone unturned in in trying to flesh out this universe. Graham is hella. Uh, he is hella hella. Um, yeah. Creative. Yep. yep. Oh, indeed. Yeah. And and in the back of all of the trades, you get um, you know sketches by the various artists. But Brandon's communication to the artists, like he will lay out 
all of the um, the reference he he sent to the artist, like and his comments and the artist comments and like like he would just send them um, a nature shot, a panorama, like something like this, and you get little mm-hmm. little thumbnails of all the communication between the right. art, artist and the writer. It's just amazing. It's an amazing clip. It it documents not only the work that was created, but the manner in which it was created too. It's just it's an exhaustive look at at this this organism that that these people have created. And I think Image would do very well to scoop them all up, put them under one cover, and publish in um, like an ultimate profit or essential profit, something like that, absolute profit. You know what I mean? Do you I know do. What you mean. It's amazing. So there you go. I like it. Yeah. Fooey on me for letting it get out from under me. Yeah, seriously, bro. We're trying to tell you. Seriously, dude. I know. I know it. It's like unlearn, you know what I mean? No, I should unclench. I have to unclench before I unlearn. Right. (laughs) Yeah, true. Big dick. All right. What else we got? Anything before we bring it on home? Bring it on home. Bring it on home. Bring it on home. Who sang that? Uh, what? Who sang that? Bring it on home. No idea. Oh man. Help me out. Who, who sang it? Zeppelin. Help me out. Zeppelin. I said Zeppelin. It was under my breath oh, because I, no I'm idea. aghast and agape that you. you, you, you that's like you, there, there are huge chunks of pop culture that you are incredibly immersed in, but then there's others that you just got you got nothing. But that's us too, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's why we work so well together because you got the hip hop and I got the the real the real music. So two digs, we both cancel each other out. (laughs) Neither neither one of us. Two digs don't make a right. Hey, hey, everybody! If you are interested in any of this stuff and you want to get your books dirt cheap, there's really only one place to go. I keep saying this. Why aren't you listening? Discount com- well, you, I guess some of you are, but some of you still aren't. Discount comic book service, dcbservice.com, dcbservice.com, where you can get James Stokoe's Aliens Dead Orbit number one for $1.99. Plastic number one from Image, $1.99. And from Oni Press, Motro, trade paperback volume one for $4.99. Christ on a cracker. Please do this. DCBService.com. And in your travels, not the first and very much not the last time you're going to hear this book out of my mouth, Haunted Horror, number 26. I won't get into the whole issue, but there Mm -hmm. is a reason for y'all to run out and buy this. There is a story in here that was drawn by one of my gods of comics, Mr. Joe Kubert. The story is called The Map of Doom. It was reprinted from Weird oh. Horrors number 9, which was published in October 1953. It is a visual treat. Um, this woman inherits an old mansion. And the old mansion has... Um, well, it's known not to be the greatest place on the planet by the, the, the locals. They, they shun it. They, they just actively do not go there. And um, even the cab driver won't take them up to the house. So they have to walk in the rain. But they eventually get to the house. And um, it's a strange place. In a casket, 
in a, in a in a room, they find the World Atlas, and the cover is really strange because it says first printed and used in the year seventy nine A.D. And the couple they what like what is this first printed and used? What's going on? So they open it up to a a, a map of New York City, and the guy is tracing. He's touching the paper with his finger, the map of New York City. He's like, wow, this is really neat. But it feels, it feels weird. Like it feels, feels like, like the first time. Feels like no, the it very feels, first time. it feels like this map. Oh boy. It feels like the map is alive. Like he's touching it. Like I don't understand this. This is a very strange sensation. And the woman sticks her finger in the water and it comes out wet. So it turns out that by just brushing his finger over the map of Manhattan, he turned a large section of downtown New York to rubble. So he takes a hammer and he hits the, a map. And when he hits the map, that section of the country demolishes. So he's like, damn, I got something here. I'm going to, I'm going to blackmail the entire world into paying me billions of dollars unless if they don't i'm just going to destroy their friggin' countries and then there's a battle between the woman and the man like the man is very like this is you know i'm going to be rich and she's like honey don't you mean me too and he's like oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah you too but um the cubert annihilates this story it is just it, it is a a visual smorgasbord like everything in here is amazing. The, there's a splash page on the first page that um, it shows the, the destruction um, wrought by these two people and their faces are large in the background in full color and in the foreground you get just like a monochromatic destruction. People falling out of windows and bricks and buildings being destroyed and fire. It's it's just it's just an amazing, an amazing story. Um but that's not it. You get you get other stories too. There's a um, a reprint from Adventures into the Unknown number fifty three, which was the period where they did this weird pseudo three D crap, where they would black borders. Like the pages are all black, and all the panels have rounded borders, and occasionally a character's hand would break the panel border, and extend into the black or a character's elbow or a gun would come out of the panel and that was quote 3d to these people um it's neat it's 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 a a little chestnut from bygone days that you know you may not have seen this it's it's kind of cool and there's there's um craft tint paper used in it but haunted horror every month every other month sorry it's bi-monthly every other month you got it. it's just an amazing amazing book for the 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 for the least of which is the Kubert story, but like I said, you get a ton of other stuff in here. IDW Craigio Hunted Horror number twenty six must buy. Must buy. Must buy. The, That's all the, I can the say. Word of the episode is amazing. Did I use that amazing. a lot? Every time you said it, I keep thinking of. The Aerosmith song, but you said it oh, many, many times tonight. You know what? If you compare me to post um, Night in the Ruts, Aerosmith, I will never say amazing again because I mm-hmm. dis- I despise second. I know you do. You, you, I, I hate that second go around. After, that's not on the Pandora's box box set. I know. Hate I know. it. Hate it. I know. I like. I will never have love in an elevator. Never. Love in an elevator. 
I like some of the crossover poppy stuff, but the early stuff is oh come is on, at. come on, fucking dream on and rocks and, and fucking toys in the attic together. Give me a break. And, yeah, no, it's just draw um, the li- draw the line's my favorite. Say again. Draw the line is my all time favorite. That album is dirty. I love it. They never quite reached that height again. Plus, it's got a great cover. Yep, love that cover. Um. In your travels, you, you, I was going to, you asked if we had anything left and, and, um. Damn, you cut that off, man. Nice job. I did? (laughs) Well, it was amazing how I did that. It was. I'm never saying that word again. That's it. That's the last time I say it. Uh, okay. Why? Does he say Um, that a lot? What? Does, did you say Trump? Mm-hmm. He says that word a lot. He's always about he's always about those platitudes, right? Yeah, yeah, but I, it's specifically amazing. I don't care about like I'm sure his he's got like about a twelve word vocabulary, yeah. and the vocabulary of a twelve year old. Um, I'm never saying amazing again. <laughs> <laughs> so I did I, my inner travels from last week was the uh, Justice League of America. Rebirth number one issue. I think Jason would like this issue because the last page is very much set up like the first issue of U.S. Avengers where um, and Hickman's Avengers books where, you know, coming up in the next few months or, or, or over the next year. Um, but I didn't love this issue as much as I was hoping to. It, it, it is... Jason would also love this issue because it's very much, and Vince would hate it because it's getting the band together. Um, but uh, it's and it's, it's it's pretty, um, and yes, because Vixen's in it. Um, but Lobo's in it, so Vince, you know, you kind of cancel out, right? I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, it's it's a fine issue. Um, I was just really, again, it just felt like. A zero issue more than you know we're gonna rock and roll from from this point forward. So in your travels, it is a zero issue, isn't it? No, it's a one. It's number one. Right, but wasn't the wasn't maybe the, maybe Justice League Suicide Squad was the zero issue? I don't know. No, no, no. The when Rebirth comes after the title, it's. Because yes, it's considered yes, it's it's your prequel issue, but it's right. the, I don't, but I think well, I don't know is is there a Justice League of America number one or there's is there a Justice a, League Rebirth number one and then there's a Justice League number one. Because, no, okay, right, but just like it's, there's a Harley Quinn Rebirth number one and then there's right. a Harley Quinn number one. So I'm guessing this is like a zero okay, issue so only the, called yes, number one. So that then what? Forget what I said. Then this is very much. A, a, a zero issue in that sense. Um, you just have to be careful, Vince, when you say, if you just say Justice League, that is a completely different yeah. and really bad comic compared to Justice League of America. I know. So, I know. Um, in your travels. Oh, there's more. Uh, no, that was, first, how am I going to do my in your travels from last? I, I, all I'm saying is I read. It's in the show in notes, buddy. Last Come on, give me it's more. Sure. So that. In your travels, uh, here's your show notes. The <laughs> most recent issue, most last two issues 
of uh, Star Trek Boldly Go number four. Knew it. Wraps up the first arc. I knew it. The Borg. You knew it was coming, right? Um, it's been at least 20 minutes since I mentioned Trek. So you have um, the, the first arc wraps up. Um, the Romulans are involved. Uh, Spock does his thing to um, Holy Spock. So he's he, he isn't quite assimilated, and I'm not going to uh, get into the whole had it happen. It's 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 pretty neat. And there are scenes from the first um Cohen verse Star Trek movie. So it all it, it it makes perfect sense. The fifth issue I think Vince would really, really enjoy. Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm looking at the cover right now. Because it's it's pretty much the origin of Jayla. It's nice. Um, yeah, it's but it's it's told um in reverse time. Everything Every every chapter of her life um, is is prefaced before and and um, but it starts off with um, where we find her in Star Trek um, Beyond and then we have uh, um, dealing with Crawl and we meet her family and every. It, Every chapter in her life is only a couple of pages long, but it, it goes all the way back to, you know, we, we see her parents, we find out she has a sister, oh. um, we, we see when she's born, and then the last page is the now, and, um, and that's at, uh, at Starfleet Academy. So she is actually, you know, wearing that ridiculous uniform that she was asking Scotty if she'd have to wear. Um, she looks good in it though. She does, but it's a, uh, it's, it, it's pretty much a, a done in one issue, but it is, it's, um, I love you. You know, we're, we're we're trying. You know, that they're. I don't want to say they're trying, but they are. Um, the, the the movies are. They're using it as story. They're they're using it to to progress the uh, to, to to move the universe forward, and and I think it's uh, it's pretty neat. So I don't know what the next. I don't know what issue six is about. I'll I'll. Um, Read that when it comes out, but it's, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think Shastin's art, um, he, uh, over the five issues is, um, well, at least with the first four with the crew, um, better than some of the, well, he drew a lot of the, uh, the issues from the, the first, the five year series that preceded this, but, um, like some of the tie-ins that use the Chris Pine and, and Zachary Quinta, they, um, some of the artists can either be really heavy with the reference or kind of wing it and, and whiff to a certain degree. But, uh, this was pretty, pretty spot on in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the first four issues. And, and I, and I like his Jayla. I think he's looking a little like Steve Pugh here. I could see that. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I like it. Pete, I can rock with that. Yep. No, this looks great. And Jayla, there's mm-hmm. there's no drawback here. Oh, right. yeah, She's a great character. Yeah, I'm stoked. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I will, right. I will read this entire issue, Dap. Awesome. Yeah, there. Right here. I'm All right, start. well, in your travels, um, what we first need to do is make sure everybody goes to... Our website. Yes. You guys are working uh, hard. As are you. 
Mm. Not so much, but yeah, you're you're, Mm. you're working hard. We we have been, uh, we're back on track, posting the original content. This week, uh, our man, newest up, our man Dap, uh, is talking to you about uh, Regina Pile, which uh, for those of you that haven't been listening for the long term is our term for all the books that we buy and amass but seemingly never have time to catch up and read. For real. Uh, on Valentine's Day, our boy Vincente uh, gave us a House of Horror uh, look at Jennifer, the classic yeah. Warren story uh, that's uh, certainly apropos in a very nasty way to... Uh, and to the- yes? No, I was just going to let Vince know that I did stick it out after the after the cat. <laughs> oh, nice. And once the cat takes a bath, I'm like... Yeah, I lost Dap on that one. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we we put up our second uh, second piece of the eleven o'clockers winners because people wanted to have that memorialized. So we've got that up there for your favorite genre, our favorite genre comics of uh, sixteen. Uh, we dropped uh, an interview uh, with uh, our boy Mike Ruth. Yep, up on the site. Um, uh-huh. And uh, tomorrow we will be dropping uh, another interview. We'll save that as a surprise for when you see who it is. Uh, and uh, I have a little President's Day themed article coming up this weekend. Yep, a little fun with that because we need to, we need to have something about the presidency be fun. Um, yeah. so, so that's awesome. <laughs> there um, will there well, will be a comics are ridiculous up soon. Ooh, nice! Yep, I forgot that even existed. That's awesome. Oh, and I am working on my next comic. So um, also in your travels. Uh, you know, we haven't talked about Kickstarter as much as we used to. No. Um, I used to back just about anything that remotely looked interesting on the comic side, and I've slowed way down, but I do still back stuff, and uh, especially if it's a no-brainer. And I think such a thing occurred this week, which is Femme Magnifique. Yes. Uh, F-E-M-M-E-M-A-G-N-I-F-I-Q-U-E. It is a... Uh, anthology, y'all know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for the anthologies. It is 30 comic book stories saluting women of pop, politics, art, and science. Uh, and it is um, edited by uh, the uh, extremely well-regarded and talented Shelley Bond. Um, Brian Miller uh, is also involved um, in some capacity putting it together. One of the coolest things about this, I'll come right out and say, is that... Uh, it is not an all-woman creator book. No. It is a book of awesome comic book creators, men and women, celebrating women from history. Uh, in fact, one of the already announced uh, contributors to the 30 stories is none other than our boy, Mr. Jim Rugg. I know um, him. Got, yeah, you've heard of him, right? We've got uh, Tess Fowler, Cecil Castellucci, Philip Bond, Kelly Sue. Deconic, uh, Elsa Charitier, who I love her art, uh, Jim Rugg, Chuck Brown, Alyssa Quitney, Robin Firth. Now they're doing one of those things where every day of the campaign they're going to announce another story with the collaborators. So right now we only have eight listed, but uh, we've got another 22 coming. But if you watch the video, you see lots of other creators that you know and love. Uh, Marguerite Bennett, uh, uh, certainly um, uh, our girl, uh, our girl Karina Becco. Uh, she's she's involved as well. Oh, nice. Uh, our lady, I should say. Not, I shouldn't be sexist and say girl. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. That's my bad. I love. I meant Mar- it in the most endearing way, but I. But yeah, it's self correction there. Margaret, uh, but, Marguerite Bennett, though. Mm-hmm. Love. Yeah. Although she's love. not into you, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, yep. She doesn't have to be. Totally. 
Um, so yeah, so it's a Feb Magnifique a graphic novel anthology of comic book short stories that salutes the accomplishments of powerful women throughout history. Um, as with any good Kickstarter, there's a million different levels of pledging. I opted for the $45 print version. Um, but uh, you can, if you're so inclined, you can do everything from just uh, getting a pen and a postcard to a digital edition. And if, you, uh, if you're a real, real baller, like, uh, like say, Tomio, uh, you, could, uh, you could end up actually uh, appearing in the book uh, or having a meet and greet at uh, San Diego with all the crew. But either way, looks pretty neat. I'm stoked for it, and uh, I think you should give it a try. And then last but certainly not least, uh, in your travels, uh, by first, second, volume two of Jason Shiga's Demon, uh, I gave a very long love letter to the first volume when it came out. Um, so I think an in your travels this time will suffice, but, uh, I read this in one sitting was so stoked to have it. I think we've got another three volumes coming. Um, but either way, it's a story of a gentleman who, um, kills himself, uh, and, uh, doesn't die. And he quickly realizes that he is a demon. He, when he kills himself, he just hops into the, body of the nearest person and uh adventures ensued last volume this volume picks up where that one left off he is hell-bent on doing anything he can to find a way into a maximum security prison where the man who was responsible for killing his wife and daughter uh is residing but uh he gets there let me just say and he quickly realizes that uh, all is not what it seemed there is a uh, an aspect of uh of hereditary hereditary uh, there's a hereditary aspect to being a demon, let's put it that way. And um, and so he and uh, a member of his family uh, are both uh, on the run from a government agency that uh, fully understands demons and are trying to use them uh, for nefarious things. And it's it's just, Shiga's such a great storyteller. This book is funny. It's wild. Uh, the, the main character is, uh, you, you would think like, all right, I get it. The dude just kills himself and goes to another body. But there's so much to this guy. Uh, his name is Jimmy Yee. He he outsmarts uh, giant intelligent agencies in such a clever way. Um, in this volume, he's outsmarting everybody time after time. But it's just a, a giant cascade of puzzles. And if you know Shiga's prior work, he's a big fan of puzzles. Um, he's used them to tell stories. He's written stories about them. And he really has a, an actuarial mind, which would make sense to make Jimmy an actuary in this. Uh, and uh, I just thought this volume was better than the first. Can't wait for the third. So um, uh, this was a webcomic. I presume we could probably still find it on Shiga's site. I haven't looked. But, uh, yeah, give this a whirl. It's uh, Demon Volume 2. So I think we've got two, yep, we've got two more volumes coming. It's, uh, it's awesome. You've read this, right, Vince, or at least part of it? I've read the first volume, yeah. I haven't read yeah. the second yet. Yeah, it's really, really, that's excellent. Sweet. Mm-hmm. That's some shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is that. <laughs> Maybe stick with Amazing Vince. Really? <laughs> but you won't blast like that, son. <laughs> that's some shit. Hard yeah, it's not so sweet. natural. It's not so natural coming in to ask some shit. Oh. I'm never saying amazing again. Again. It's not happening. Nope. Never ever. Never ever. For, never, for ever. Jason, I am making the um, mm-hmm. art for this episode 
the front cover of uh, Shibuti's Moby Dick. Shibuti! Nice. Got her, right? Shake your booty booty. Shake your booty booty. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us once again. Please join us next week. We'll have much more of the same. Um, and as always, David, who loves you so much and needs you to be here, says goodnight, David. Wow. What's the matter? You think? It was just like, it was like, good night. David, it was, it was just like. Too quick for you? I can do it again. No, it wasn't too quick. It was just like, usually there's like a little, little lull going into it, a little bit of a lilt, but this was just like, David. All right, man. I'm, I'm sorry. I won't That's, say amazing anymore. It's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing at, you're laughing at you. me in a bad way. I love you. No, no. This was this I was a fine love fest episode. It was. We had a good time. Love we Jason always have a good time. That's the Moby Dick. No oh, word. And, and all it was, it was just just hugs and and. Well, that's how it should be, right? If it's not hugs, and what the frig is the point of doing it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm with you. Got you. Got you. Got you, dog. You didn't do it though. I didn't do what? Say goodnight. I did. Oh, you did? Because you were like, oh, it was, all, it was too <laughs> But I was, it was the same. Dude, come on. Really? Really? You're I'm gonna sorry. I was. Do me like that? And I thought we were just. Don't we, make we, him sing here, man. You say do me like that, he's going to start singing something. <laughs> Don't do me like that. Of course, he probably oh, wouldn't know that. Tom Petty. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't know Tom Petty. Who is this? I just started singing it. What are you talking about? Do it. He'll sing Dewey Baby from BBD. Do me, baby. Or Hump to Hump. Do me, baby. The Hump to Hump. Bye. Come back next week. We love you so much. I Yeah, I'm not. Kiss me on over, baby. Oh, good heavens. Yes. Good heavens. Good heavens. Lord. Bye. Do me, baby. Once got busy in a Burger King bathroom. That is absolutely 100% true. Say what now? I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom. Oh, nice. Yeah, but that's not... That's not the same song. For most people, that's, that, that's, that's the lyric of a song. For you, that's your life. That is my... I got very busy. Yeah. <laughs> Stank. Stankonia. Fast food loving. Say goodnight. Say goodnight. Bye. Why is your kid named after a hand dryer? My kid's named after a bun. <laughs> a bun? Where's Patty? Oh, I heard little Vinny's uh, DJ name, DJ Special Souse. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Yumbo. Yo, yo, yo. DJ Yumbo and his out. Bye. <laughs> oh, no.
make double wide. 